The Wide Awake in <coughs> Babylon Podcast, <laughs> episode 12. Tom Tabor's here. Howdy. Oconee's here. We don't allow the Oconee's last name out. No. No. That way, you know, he'll person, be found. Person no. non grata. We, don't, the run. we just don't want him found. He's like Madani. Barno. Yeah, He's got yeah. one so name. he just is known as Oconee. <laughs> yeah. And Job is Job. still alive. <laughs> Our producer, Joe. Oh, Our producer, now. Joe. <laughs> Joe has a mic. He's still Joe alive. Has he has a mic. Say hi, Joe. He's, he's being tested by the universe. Job's alive. Job's alive. Job's alive and well. <laughs> uh, it's, it's interesting to watch, you know. Because for me, when I was young, you know, in my 20s, I, I felt really lucky because, you know, I'm not saying that I was a better person. I wasn't any better of a person than anyone else. Um, but I didn't go to the clubs. I didn't do bars. I didn't, you know, lower my car or jack my car. I wasn't into any of that. I had these old guys around. Mm-hmm. And so when I was going through, like, the stuff of figuring out, um, the way that the world was taught to me while under the roof of somebody else who was paying for everything and kind of sheltering me in a, in a kind of a way, um, there, that world's not real. And then you step into it as an adult, you know, so you got all these kind of life lessons to go through, right? Mm-hmm. You got all this learning you got to do and you got to do all this coming to terms with your expectations and your ideals and what's actually real. And you know, that shit gets bumpy. It gets really, really bumpy. And so I, I feel kind of blessed. I wouldn't say lucky cause I was looking for it. It wasn't like. You know, it just fell from the sky. I was crying for some kind of guidance to, you know, not be so afraid and not be so full of like um, self-consciousness or, you know, lack of confidence and just being in the world around people. You know? Like I remember when I was younger, I would, you know, my parents weren't rich. We were living in Southern California and, you know, the high school I went to, a lot of those kids' parents were rich. So, you know, they're showing up in BMWs and that. And I'm showing up in a Mustang, too. That, <laughs> Which is you a know, Pinto. You, yeah, you know, I didn't, it's like I didn't have to buy any drugs because, you know, the fumes of that car get you. <laughs> by the time you got to school, you're just bloodshot eyes and high. And it backfired a lot. So, you know, it was a piece of shit, really. Mm-hmm. You know, and here I am parking next to this kid in a Beamer. You know, and, and it's weird because... I mean, I don't know if that's happened to a lot of kids that, you know, it, other than me. I don't know. I never talked about it much with anybody. But you look at him and it's just like that whole youthful mindset. It's like somehow they're better than you. Mm-hmm. That 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 they have been blessed in a way that you haven't been. So somehow you're less than, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I mean, it just the psychological impact of that and, you know, the kind of opportunities you'd shun because you're just kind of feeling too in about things, you know, and just kind of the way that it would guide you is this feeling that you're not enough or someone's better, you know, and then kind of coming to terms with that on my own. I mean, that's before any of the elders showed up, you know, I did enough self therapy with the guidance of, you know, psychedelics when I was young that, 
And I did. I mean, I was doing those things by myself most of the time. You know, I'd just go sit by myself and just go through my psychological um, drawer files, basically. Mm -hmm. Right. And just kind of see what triggers my behavior. What am I really afraid of? Those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. You know, so I was got to a point where some of it you can figure out on your own. There's no doubt. I mean, you know, just things happen and you come to common sense. You're like, okay. But there's other things that are just so much more either tightly wound in you, raveled up, or just complicated, or so they seem. You know, and there was like a ceiling to what I could do on my own, right? There was like sure. a limit to that. So I was actively like, I just crying to the universe yo i need someone to show me the ropes about what is this what's going on here i'm alive and you know it's always been intense for me life has never not been intense it still is it still can get me like you know it's not like that's ever stopped As a matter of fact you know the further i go the more that happens it's like wow because you're just peeling away which you know this idea of knowing something and there's really no way to know it in the way that, you know, we know a book or we know an act, right? It's such a deeper connection than that. So, you know, having those elders, you know, finding them and then uh, having them around, it was like anytime I went through any of that existential crunchiness, if you will, <laughs> they'd be there for it, right? And they'd always have like, and sometimes, you know, I don't know if it's it's something they did for everybody, or, you know, that it was a common thing, that they just did, this is what they did. Or if it was, mm -hmm. sometimes you just kind of wonder, you're going through some existential crisis as a young person. I mean, in my 20s, you know, 21, 22. And, uh, you know, going through some existential crisis as a young person. And it was like they would create, who knows, maybe they were just creating a ceremony for that off the cuff, right in that space. But they could bring such a, um, a value to that, ugh, the angst, right? That that it's like almost like a rite of passage. You use your angst to push through the frustration and the fear and the the lack of self esteem. I don't know if that's even really a thing. Lack of confidence in just being in the world, hmm. you know, where you don't feel like a little rabbit trying to stuff its head under every rock every time it hears a noise, mm -hmm. right? To be more of the person that you hear a noise, you investigate it. You don't go stick your head under a rock. You know, they have that kind of confidence to be in the world and actually engages that as it's happening for were, you. Were they showing it through their confidence towards you? Like calling it out or what would they do? Hey, like, you know, a lot, a lot of times it would be like, uh, okay, come on, we're going off into the, you know, and there was this cabin off in the woods, you know, rustic as can be. You had to go sit there. Mm -hmm. Right. And they would smudge you, you know, clean you off, do the thing. And they would sit. Sometimes they'd sing a song. You know, they definitely, you know, take their pipe out, do pipe offerings, set a medicine wheel. And then, you know, a lot of times you would just end up in this altered state and they would bring you in as if you were one of them. Hmm. And it was almost like lifting you up to a place that, you know, I talk about manufactured identity a lot. I mean, that is the immaturity of a human being. So they would lift you beyond that and you would be, at a, you know, without that manufactured identity, you're as mature as mature it's like life force. I mean, you know, it is what it is. It's like, is it maturing? 
but you've you reached this state of maturity where you weren't questioning your presence in the world. You weren't questioning your value or what you knew or what you didn't know. You know, you weren't, there was no people pleasing. No, it's not about even being polite at that point. It's just like you're on par with the a wisdom that comes through everyone mm-hmm. when they're, when they're freely being what's looking out of their eyeballs, willingly doing that. Um, instead of, you know, pouring all of their life into this manufactured identity, just stealing their presence. So, you know, I, what I would say is they would do these little things, set up these little like ceremonies, really, and it would bring you into your presence. Mm-hmm. I mean, it called you to presence. It's almost like that's it. They're calling you to your own presence. Because, you know, I, I, I have a belief that, you know, I don't think it's a belief, but to anyone else it's a belief that when a human being removes the manufactured identity, whether it be um, through the use of a plant, any of, or, or just a person coming in and just Mm -hmm. shifting your perception completely. Once that manufactured identity drops, the most brilliant version of themselves is standing in front of you. And it doesn't lack common sense and it's not in a hurry it's not paranoid. It's not nervous. It's not tense. Even if it's been going through about the person's been going through about of depression, really deep, harsh things. You bring them into that presence. Even that's not so big of a deal. It's just something to face, mm-hmm. right? And then they would activate this thing in you that bringing your presence to bear on whatever it is that was causing your suffering to such a degree that you could actually watch your suffering. I would say kind of like being defeated <laughs> is really how I would put it that, you know, and it wasn't big things back then. And when we're talking, I'm 21, 22, yeah. these aren't like, you know, huge things. These are, you know, just getting myself dusted off for a really long road, mm-hmm. really getting me prepared for that walk of life. That's going to be, um, a little off from where society's main routes are going, you know, and being able to navigate that, you got to have courage. You got to have, yeah. you have to have some confidence to go it alone, so to speak, where the only faculties you're going to rely on are the ones that, you know, life itself gave you, you know, which is pretty much what they teach you how to do, how to be more confident in yourself. So you would, you know, bring your presence to bear on these things that were causing you to not feel good. And you'd watch them just kind of go away. And it kind of built you up. I mean, you know, um, could that build your ego? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I there's, a, there's, I think, for like the first five, six years of any walk like that, that you feel like you're something. Which, you know, yeah, you are, but so is everything else. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like when you say, well, you know, I, I don't know. Well, nor does anyone else. I mean, it's just, it's the same thing, you know, just kind of. It's just one of those weird things about people. (laughs) But, um, you know, in in doing that, it prepares you for the next one, right? I mean, you know, ego aside, because, yeah, it does get into you. You know, when an elder is very good, very good, you're like, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And then when you go around people your age that are even slightly about something like that, you know, you kind of get... Well, not you, but the puff up. Uh, yeah, the puffy chest. Yeah, you know, like the guys in the gym, <laughs> you know, walking around. Yeah, so there was, you know, and they weren't going to stop that. Mm. You know, they weren't like the kind that had, you know, the 
they didn't have the kind of way about them where they were going to go, okay, that's enough of that. They would just look at it, you know, just watch you do it and kind of make fun of you a little bit. You know, poke fun of him. Well, he's head honcho now. Mm-hmm. You know? and, Chiefs. Well, yeah, he's like, oh, he thinks he's a chief. <laughs> yeah, one of them turned to me one day and said, because I was doing that, there was a whole bunch of young guys around. I mean, they knew that I had been spending time with these guys. And, mm-hmm. that, you know, I got to sit in on things that, you know, a lot of people weren't allowed to. And uh, <laughs> so I was playing like chief. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, there was a couple other guys there doing the same thing. And one of the old elders turns around and looks. He's like, see, that's our problem here in this country. There's too many chiefs and there's not enough Indians. I guess no one wants to be that brave. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of, I mean, I would take your, you know, okay. <sighs> all right. All right. And down you'd come. You know, and, and actually, you know, and it's kind of wild because in doing that, you know, you feel like you're helping somebody. Right. That you're you're this authority figure. You're this expert, at least at a higher level than them. And that you're going to groom and bring them in. It's like, well, that's a culty kind of a thing. And mm-hmm. that's why they never really addressed any of that. Because hmm. none of them were into building a cult. That, mm-hmm. That's just not. You know, they're not even really into building a community or a tribe. I mean, Mm. you know, a lot of the older elders, yeah, you'd see them for, you know, maybe a week at best and off they'd go. And you could try to coax them to be here. Well, we got a place for you. (laughs) You know, the whole thing. We'll feed you. We'll drive you around. You know, you want to keep them around. No, they never. They They need a break. They're like, I'm out of here for a break. (laughs) They never fell for any of that. Off they'd go. And and I really, I really enjoyed that Hmm. because you know, a lot of people are sad that they didn't stick around. And to me, it was like there was something inside that said, it's better this way. It's better for you to be left to your own devices because inevitably you're going to be left to your own devices. Mm-hmm. You know, that it, it, there's going to be times in life where you're going to be going through something and there is no one around for you. Not to say there aren't people around you, but there's going to be situations where no one understands what you're going through. And if you try to explain it to them, you're going to be crazier than you were. <laughs> so you got to really just be with it in your own self. I mean, you know, that's a that's a journey in and of itself. You might sure. you might not be going anywhere. No one sees you going anywhere. But inside, you know, figuring out that energetic reality can be quite a journey. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when you're standing in spaces where you're not particularly. Um, let's just say the space you're in, the people aren't particularly fond of you. Mm-hmm. And then you got to find your strength to not. Be the, the, you know, not make a clown out of yourself, right? And just hold your own, but without being combative about it. Right. You know, not give them a reason to, you know, start pointing fingers at you. I mean, you had to, you know, you got to play it really well. You know, life itself, it can, can, you know, it can be tough. I mean, I know we marginalize that mostly, you know, how are you doing? Good, good. I'm doing good. Mm -hmm. You know, but you kind of look at, really? (laughs) What's your definition of good? You know, because that doesn't look so good. You know, that looks like shaky ground. You know, but it's like we want to just gloss over that. We don't want to talk about that. And honestly, I think that's probably best. Yeah. Most most of the time. (laughs) Yeah, I really do because... Who's going to handle your shit for you? Well, yeah. if you if somebody does, then you have a codependent relationship. 
if you if you let that go. I mean, what does that mean to have a codependent relationship? It, it means I mean, that you're what's counting, the reality? You're counting on somebody else to solve your problems for you, and that's really so. You're basically a puppy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's not uncommon. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, not it's, like it's definitely not uncommon. No. Yeah, I just you know I I figure. You were born with the capacity to, to to live the life that's put in front of you. And yeah. if you don't, I mean, you know, you can pretend that, you know, it's unfair. Well, you can even say that, I guess, and a lot of people can believe that. I just kind of think that whatever life that's you're, you're put here to live for whatever reason that is, that you're also given all the capacity to live that the best possible way. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah, I, I know agree. it's probably a stretch, but I think somewhere inside, I think, and I think it's when we become the observer, right? When we put down the manufactured identity, let what's looking out of our eyeballs live the life, and we just follow it and try to keep up and, and try not to lose our shit when it's doing something mm -hmm. and just pay attention. It, it's, it's actually showing us something that's far beyond what, you know, uh, humans are are let's just say um habitually doing right you know what i mean so it, it's like it puts you in a whole it'll put you in a whole nother world right and so you know and wanting that you know taking psychedelics young like that because i think you know taking psychedelics at 17 is pretty young i mean yeah. i've no people who were saying they were eating LSD at 13, at 11, 10. I'm like, Jeez. where were your parents? <laughs> For God's <laughs> sakes, where were your parents? Not with the neighborhood kids. Not, <laughs> you know, they might have been on something too. You know? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, in doing that and really, you know, like I said, did most of that alone. I had, you know, a couple friends that I would go do that with. Um, occasionally there would be a few more, but nine times out of ten, I was usually by myself. We lived in San Juan Capistrano, which is down in Southern California, and right behind our house, there was no new developments there at the time. And you would be down Ortega Highway, which goes down to Lake Elsinore, but it's just a, the Cleveland National Forest. And it's pretty vast. For Southern California, it's a vast piece of open space. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I would take a quarter of mushrooms, eat those, walk out the door, and just go walk in the woods and sit there. And, you know, and not really understanding what I was experiencing, but seeing like a possibility of a energetic state that, you know, it definitely wasn't talked about. It wasn't taught. It wasn't part of our culture. None of this, but just like this weird bonding with nature, hmm. you know, but being able to like uh, balance that and a life was really difficult. You just, you know, you, you feed her off the ground, off you go. You know, and that wasn't working so well, you know. So, it was, again, it was nice to have those elders around to keep your feet on the ground. It's oh, like, yeah. now we're going to cook some food. <laughs> Simple right? things. Now we're going we're gonna to boil some water. <laughs> and now we're going to have a meal together. And now we're going to sit down and we're going to pass this, you know, it's a medicine pipe. You know, it's got a stem, it's got a bowl, it's tobacco. Yeah. And they would, you know, pass it around. And if you wanted to say something, you could. But was never like big theatrical productions. It seemed to this kind of the natural flow of life course, right? And it's interesting because when you get in these spaces with them and you just surrender to it, you weren't like checking the watch and, you know, you got to get in your car and go get pretty because you got a date or something like that going on, any of that. Um, 
you just, you got back in this flow. It was almost like your brain worked differently. The mind would work completely differently. It would more see them as elders instead of old people. I I never Hmm. saw them as old people, you know, elderly. I saw them as elders, those people anyway, because they were vibrant. I mean, super vibrant and really knowledgeable, but they get you in this flow of regular life. And it would, like I said, it just changed the way you thought about things. And then you would look at the things that seemed to be so pressing on you. You realize this are just childish things. They're just childish things. It's all. There's no reason to have anxiety about it, jealousy around it, um, a strong need to where you're going to take advantage of someone to get something. Yeah, it just, the, you, it lost its appeal when life got, dare I say, wholesome. Hmm. Dare I say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, one of the things you just said was surrender, and it seems like that's a big part. It's like surrendering to life or the thing. Instead of having this expectation, it has to be this way, or I need to do this within it. It's the surrender to whatever comes your way, in a way, right. and seeing it from a new perspective. Like, from a higher, like, what do you say, like, higher maybe, but from a new perspective that that just kind of dissolves away, that's more petty thing. Right, right. Yeah, you know, and just, to just be in the presence of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it was for me it was glorious you know and and it's interesting because i mean carlos for sure joseph for sure sunday morning star for sure long sleeves for sure i mean you know there were some of them arvel looking horse i didn't spend too much time with him but holy moly just his presence in the room i mean i was intimidated by it it was like whoa this this dude ain't messing around you know you could just feel it all coming off of him you know and that to me, it wasn't like a power. It was a presence. It's like, oh man, this guy. It's almost like, you know, when I was younger, I'd be like, this dude and God are kicking it. <laughs> These hmm. two are buddies. I mean, this guy is definitely uh, righteous in the eyes of the Lord, so to speak. Right. I mean, if you want to put it in that kind of parlance. But not society up. necessarily. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. You would take him, you know, like I remember taking Carlos to the golf course. Right. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk. Well, Carlos was, you know, no, he he was pretty much indigenous. I mean, he was, he he was as loosely here as a human could be while still having integrity being here. Hmm. That's how loosely he was here. Hmm. But we go to Patty Joe at golf course, which is a kind of ritzy place. I mean, as far as ritzy can get is in Colorado Springs, but it's a golf course downtown. Hmm. And, you know, I wanted to take him golfing. I was working up in the casino and this guy that worked there, he was all into it and kept asking me to go. He's like, dude, it's so much fun. I'm like, all right, let's try it. And I had said, Carl, is you going to come? And he's like, what? I'm like, come and golfing. He's like, oh, I'm absolutely pissed <laughs> along. I'm going golfing. <laughs> so we go down there, you know, and he's, you know, he's got the bandana. He's got long hair. He's got the goatee. You know, it looks old as can be. I'm the picture of him. Mm-hmm. The, for anybody watching, if you, I have pictures of him, on my Facebook page, you'll just have to go. Think it's in downloads. If you look in downloads or whatever that is, one of the files. There's pictures of Carlos. There's pictures of me and Carlos and my mm-hmm. wife um, back from the day, and then you know a couple other pictures in there with that. But that you know that guy, mm-hmm. and we walk onto the Patty Joe Golf Course, and there's these two women, you know, and they're dressed to the nines. You know, they got the the golf gear going on, you know. And we go walking by, and they just look at him, like, disgusted, like, who let that guy in? He's right? not a member. And Carlos just <laughs> looks over at them. 
She says, you know, we used to own this place. (laughs) 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 I mean, then we went golfing and he put the golf cart in the lake. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it it wouldn't run. I mean, that's what he wanted to do. I'm driving the golf cart. It's like right Mm -hmm. on. And it it would stall, Mm -hmm. right? And then he'd bump into people. I mean, it was just, it was a full-blown fiasco. He was making such a show out of it. And the guy that I worked with that was there with us, Mm -hmm. he was not not pleased. But I was just laughing my ass off. And, you know, and part of what I got out of that is I was actually starting to make friends with a guy that, I would rather not even know because Mm -hmm. that dude, you know, the the way he was towards Carlos, it's like, do you not notice anything about this man other than you're upset by his antics? You're not noticing anything else. Just how offended you are by him making a mockery of this whole goddamn day. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Which I got off on. I thought I was having a ball. (laughs) You know, it was, I would, you know, slightly frustrated Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's like, Dude, what are you doing? We're supposed to be behaving here. Oh, oh yeah. It's yeah, proper yeah, society. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, it, and knowing all those people, I've always had a high, high regard for older humans. Hmm. I wouldn't say elderly. And, you know, and, and not all of them, obviously, because, you know, not all mm-hmm. of them really deserve that. You know, they're... they're it's been strange watching and I mean maybe it's just my take on it and maybe my take is tainted. I can I can go ahead and you know make room for that assessment. I don't know what happened, but when I was younger, like my grandfather, his friends, mm-hmm. um not my dad's side so much, but my mom's side. That's who I was closer to. And then, you know, and some of the people growing up, um I knew these older military guys. And it was weird. I always had this kind of deep reverence and respect for them. Hmm. And I still do, actually. It hasn't left. Because what I've watched over the years is like 65, 68, 67, 72-year-old men. Hey, and women, too. I'm not going to leave them out. I mean, there's just as much to, it can go on there just as much. Trying to be 18 again. Oh, and I'm looking at that going, you know, well, we knew a 72 year old chasing around a 25 year old girl who thought that he was actually having a relationship with her. Yes. Like, yo, dude, I mean, you know, that kind of thing. And it's like, what do you, is all of your life experience on, if you don't value it and you don't find some triumphant state of being in it you got nothing to share really mm. that you're just going to try to be the 18 year olds or you're just going to try to be hip with the young. Cause I mean, I've seen and you know, and this, I mean, this can seem like such a judgment and I get it, <laughs> but I look at the culture today and it's not that I think kids are bad or they're screwed or this generation sucks. I don't think any of that because individually I've, I've, spoken with lots of them and there's some very brilliant people sure and i wouldn't even say misguided left to their own devices once again because the older generation is still chasing after some fantasy and it's like yo what are you guys doing you're supposed to be the elders you're supposed to be the ones that pull them in when shit's getting weird you're like all right you know chop some wood carry some water here help grandma with the vegetables calm the 
down, calm down. You know, and we just like, we don't really, it's not really a thing much anymore. But see, that's what the iPad is for. Yeah, I don't buy it. Don't <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. the, you see it all the time. Like, you know, oh, you know, child starts acting up, iPad. Well, that's, you know, we have yet like, to see how that generation grows up. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, we're starting to see it. I mean, a mm-hmm. lot of Gen Z, I mean, it wasn't an iPad, but it was definitely a computer. Yeah. Well, you know. You know I thought I should be worried, you know. It's like I have a thirteen-year-old stepson, mm-hmm. right? I would, step is so weird, yeah. Because yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, that yeah. I mean, me and him are close. That's absolutely. He's my son. That's not you know. I don't right. care who his biological father is. Um, there's a deep connection there, mm-hmm. you know, and I honor that connection. I wouldn't treat him any differently than I treated my biological daughters. Right. No way, no doubt. Well, other than he's a boy, so it's going to be different, mm-hmm. you know. But looking at him, you know, you know the common things a thirteen-year-old has going on, you know, some little bit of laziness here and there, and sloppiness here, and you know, it's just part of that. But ultimately, as a person, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't. I mean, you know, you might have to face some hard things in your life, like all people do, and you know, if you face those well and you maintain your stamina. You know, you could get to know something that, you know, you could be quite a quite a spark in the world. He's got quite a head start over most kids. You know, and some of his friends, these they're they're intelligent people. Mm -hmm. You know, they really are. It's just, I mean, are they going to follow what the adults are doing? I don't. Why? Why would you? (laughs) I don't think there's a chance. Yeah. Why would you? This is insane. You know, and is this a world that they made? No. No, no, no. They were just born into it. Mm-hmm. This was made by their, you know, their parents, their parents' parents, their parents' parents' parents, their parents' 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 parents. You know, it, this isn't, you know, like they come in and, you know, they're pretty much subjected to the world that's going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to me to be, I could only imagine being young and looking at the world and not thinking twice about, you guys are damn petty. What the hell's going on here? This is petty. This is straight up petty. Right. You know? And so they kind of look for a different way. Well, then they meet resistance. Well, I was young, too. When you met resistance, what would you do? Rebel. You rebel. Absolutely. You know, you paint your hair a different color. You wear a mohawk. You put mm-hmm. on some Doc Martens. Put on some suspenders. And you go listen to Screwdriver for, you know, you go to Fender's Ballroom and <laughs> go hang out with the suicide, Suey Boys, Suicidal Tendencies, and yeah. go see punk music and be aggressive and a, a, a little... Uh, Eh, angsty. <laughs> For the record, I know nothing of what you just said. <laughs> Kids. So when I got angsty, I got punk. That was about the only thing. I well, when I got when I got mad at society for just being such a farce. Yeah, that's probably like probably twelve. Then it was the you know I had to mow yards all day. Yeah, you know, working for my dad. I don't. I don't regret it at all. I didn't hate it. You know, I was hanging out with college kids, drinking beer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> getting shots of beer and like, Ooh. sex pistols in the headphones, and just angsty marching back and forth with that lawnmower, <laughs> just going at it. I used to love. Yeah, I used to love mowing the lawn when I was mm-hmm. like a early teen. All through my teenage, yeah. I used to have the little rod, the little rod mower, but it didn't have so the um, privileged. it didn't have the uh, riding mower, yeah. But it didn't have any power steering or anything, and it was like really hilly, really bumpy. It was about hmm. an acre, yeah. or so. I had the mow, 
Hmm. And yeah, I used to love riding all up the hills and stuff. So I learned how to drive. <laughs> sure, Zach one from my mom. She sent me to her mom. <laughs> yeah, but did you listen to the Sex Pistols while you were moving? He doesn't no. know who that is. No, I know who He's they not. are now, but I sure as hell didn't know who they were. <laughs> I, was, I would play the album Never Mind the Bubble Locks, Here's the Sex Pistols, over and over. And over. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a 45-minute album. It's not long. But it was the only one I had in there that would, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, and I got angsty a lot. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, I was an angsty kid. Because, you know, I was just, it's like, to me, society was a lie. This is a lie. This is a lie. I remember <laughs> I was riding with my mom one day. We were going to get clothes for school. We were in, like, I want to say it's a Corvette, because they had a couple of them growing up. My grandfather had, you know, was, had a dealership thing going on. And so we'd always have these different cars, like T-Birds with the suicide doors, you know. I'd oh, have one of those nice. for a while. Yeah, my mom had one of those for a while. And then, like, a Corvette Stingray. Anyway, we're going to get clothes one day at this place, you know, real ritzy clothing shop. You know, the, the hitch and post and wooden nickel. It's where you could spend a thousand bucks and get like six pieces of clothing, you oh. know, one of those kinds of places. And, uh, you know, but I was kind of into it. I, I like dressing nice when I was young, you know. Tears for Fears was big. Big. Okay. Tears for Fears. You know okay. who that is? No. No. Shout, so shout, let it all let's out. not test him. It's not going to pass. It's okay. no. no, I am definitely. How about <laughs> either I mean, or Isaac? I mean, you know, maybe, Job doesn't know any music. Maybe Motown. I'll, I'll pass. So, we, we, so we, in the era, Motown, let me, people. let me, let me bring you up to speed. <laughs> bring, bring, so this is the eighties. Black Eye up to speed, please. <laughs> this is the eighties. Okay. okay, so this is like eighty-three to eighty-six. Okay, yeah. Um, Tears for Fears was big. Simple Minds was huge. Yeah. Um, Whoever did the Breakfast Club song, that's Simple Minds, right? Whatever. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Those okay. were big movies right. back in the day. John right? Hughes yeah. films. Yes. What was Duran Duran was like well, yeah, huge. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, right? yeah. Or at least, you know, where I lived, they were. And so it was all about penny loafers, right? Mm -hmm. Marth Jabot, France Pants. Zodiac I've boots. Seen, see, I remember those. You see, yeah, yeah. see, I, I even those. know the labels. I remember Zodiac. Those. You know, there's certain. Well, there's brands. Izod Polo. Yeah, yeah, the Polo. Yeah, that's part of it. But you had to get <laughs> a little more. Like you look like a swashbuckler. Yeah. Right. You know. <laughs> you, you look like you're gonna go on a pirate ship. Parachute yeah. pants. Rescue era. a dame. Parachute, parachute pants? pants were a little earlier than. That. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, the parachute pants went into the 90s. I mean, you had, like, Missy Elliott with parachute pants in, like, 92. Those were the most uncomfortable things ever. But those were some of the best music videos the ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, I'm going to get these clothes with my mom. And we're in the Corvette. And this car pulls up next to us, and it's like a Firebird or something, Trans Am. And there's some guys in there that are probably, you know, 20s. And my mom looks over at them and revs the engine, and then they rev their engine. Then she revs her engine, and they rev their engine. And, okay, I guess they're going to race, right? So I'm just sitting in the car watching all this. And we take off, right? We're speeding down Dodge Street, or I think that's what it was, Dodge Street, big, long, straight street. And, you know, the ha-ha, yay! And I remember looking over and going, Mom, is this it? She's like, what are you talking about? I said, is this, is this life? Is this, is this it? Is this, is this all? I mean, I do. I remember asking that question quite vividly. Like the things, and I didn't mean, you know, just that one incident. Right. That everything that I've experienced up to that point, is this it? I mean, is this what I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing? Is I mean, is there more to it than just this kind of 
market mentality, a consumer mentality. I mean, they even call us consumers. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. is that that what we're doing here? And it just felt empty to me. I mean, not that I didn't have enjoy myself. I, right. You know, I wasn't a kid that was a, you know, I was an Eeyore. No, <laughs> no, I was having fun, you know, but it just occasionally that I'd get this kind of state where what, this is it. You know, it just felt like there should be for, way more going on in the infinite universe than just kind of, you know, the, the real things right. we're doing, you yeah. know. Yeah. And that we're actually, you know, I kind of felt that we were a bigger part of what was going on than anyone was really noticing. You know, I you know, guess we're noticing the impact we can have on environments. <laughs> yeah. You know, but just how how much we're actually a part of this. I just, I always felt that. Never really left me, actually. So, you know, why I sought natives out. Because I remember having a conversation, you know, with a grumpy old man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we were talking about evolution. And I was so excited that, you know, we're evolving. Uh, now we're not evolving. We're done evolving. It's like, what? He's like, Yours, you, this is it. I'm like, well, yeah, physically, I, I guess we could be at a threshold of that's it. This is what you are. Mm-hmm. But the thing inside of us can go way beyond that. It can evolve to to perceive interact and be part of realities that this thing knows nothing about and i was always nah, that's not possible and then i would talk to him about you know well mother earth you know it's like you take the oil out of it. is that like taking the blood out of a human and i would get met with you know like, that's stupid hippie shit <laughs> what are you talking that stupid hippie shit for <laughs> so you know it's like on one side i'm feeling this passion about the connection in life and on another i'm being ridiculed about it left and right you know, society sure doesn't have any part of that. Right. I mean, if you talk to them about, you know, oh, just for example, walking up to someone, you know, that is very much embedded in society and lets it think for them and lets it kind of draw the pattern of life they're going to live. And you go, you know, I ate mushrooms the other day. And this being stepped out of a tree and told me about the forest. <laughs> They'd look at you like you're insane. And, you know, most of society, it's even today, Still will, mm-hmm. you know they don't understand. There's there's no understanding in our reality of that whole side of things. Well, there's no acceptance of it, right? So the minute yeah. you would mention it, you'd either get ridiculed, laughed at, or people would think you're mentally ill, right? So you, I just left it alone. I just kind of you know went to work, did my thing, but had all this going on. Did a lot of writing when I was young, just writing down thoughts and ideas because mm-hmm. I had to bounce them somewhere. You read a lot of books, just read, read voraciously, read whatever I could get my hands on read, you know, but wanting that part of life, wanting to really know it to have a, um, to be able to function in those higher dimensions that you could reach, you know, with the plants more so than the chemicals plants, you could reach those higher dimensions of thought where you could like work out emotional pain and, like that. You're like, oh, yeah, you could see, you know. It's like the equation of life is so much easier to work out there than wanting that to be a permanent state. You know, and I I never gave up on that. I still haven't. That, that you know, it's not that I want to be permanently in the state that psychedelic plants, mm-hmm. teacher plants, yeah. medicinal plants put me at. No, I want to hold that on my own. 
I mean, that to me it has always been my, as far as I remember, that's been my life's purpose. I want to be fully, as fully conscious and aware and just meeting life as it's happening, taking every wave in, whether it's going to destroy me or not, and, and maintain a presence and learn from everything, you know, and, and I tried to put that off to, you know, really my culture that I come, was born into, it, it just, it, just nothing just to, to no avail, you know? So I ended up moving down to the four corners, spent a lot of time on the Navajo reservation, another irrigated lands project. And then, you know, so spent a lot of time with them, the Apache down in the area, spent time with them up, you know, and then when we were up here with the Lakota, with this lady named Irene Firedancer, she had a house they'd all stay at. So we would, that's where I'd see them. And then when they'd come to town, I'd drive them around, you know, and, the reason I, I leapt into that so hard is because from the first time I, I met this Hopi guy in Palm Springs before I ever moved to Colorado and did all that. And there was a presence about him. And he reminded me of, you know, some of the the mushroom experiences, the peyote experience, you know, those kinds of experiences that I've had. And the presence I felt I could see it in him. Right. But he's not part of any of that. Mm-hmm. Right, he wasn't like a road man for a peyote church. He wasn't, you know, serving anything. And hope he really, you know, as far as I've known, they're, they're, they smoke tobacco. That's about it. I mean, they may have some ceremony that they keep private, but I was never privy to them eating a bunch of psychotropic plants. But they, he, he, but they still had that presence, you know, and it made me see that oh, this isn't a hallucination from a plant like everybody's telling me it is. Right. This actually is an achievable state. The plants are just showing you that, hey, you could achieve this state. You know, and then after, you know, knowing him and then living in Southern California, I think I lived there for like another year, maybe maybe a year and a half after. And it was tough. And that's in that time is when I ate an ounce of mushrooms and the whole thing. (laughs) And realized there's something way more to this than I ever imagined. And, uh, you know, being brought into that state and seeing where I was and seeing where I had to start from to get there in my real, this me person, devastated by that, you know, and yeah. But knowing that that presence was possible, it's like that was the turning of the corner. And it, and honestly, when I turned that corner, that life got rough. Rough. I didn't, I just, wasn't like I felt like a victim. Wasn't that I was being victimized or treated unfairly or, you know, I, I never went hungry. Just on an energetic thought level, personality level, emotional level, that shit got tough. Because, you know, um, being thrown that far out, you're really unsure of anything. And then you're spending a lot of time around people your age who are very sure of themselves. So it makes you question if you're losing your mind. Because the last thing you're going to go, you know, you're going to say is, you know, is those people are crazy. Right. You, you know, you're the one being the, you know, acting differently out, you know, you're outside of the element of what's going on, you know, not being able to connect in the way you used to. You're the one who seems crazy. And how old were you? I'm 21, 22. Okay. So I met the, I met the Hopi guy in Palm Springs, moving a friend of mine. I was 20. And then me and my ex-wife got married when I was 21. And then we moved 
to California, Colorado in 92. I mean, it's been so long. So many things have happened somewhere in there. (laughs) (laughs) Do I need to be precise? Is that the data everyone needs? I don't know. But anyway, um, yeah, I I basically had a nervous breakdown. I couldn't. I, I the one thing I knew is I couldn't stay in Southern California. Mm. I had to get out of there, and you know, and and it was interesting because after I had that vision of you know, it was almost like God was standing in the room and saying, you know, like hi, and I'm in this wow, and I was like, but you're you know, this is the destiny, but you got to start from where you are, and dude, I oh my god, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was not in a good place. I was using those drugs to escape some of that pain and you know and this made me very aware of where i was at and how far away that was from when it was showing me so you know i, I had like a three-day nervous breakdown but in it it was interesting because i mean i was basically just a puddle of just goo on the floor just head in the hands looking at everything i'd done things i'd said to people mm-hmm. just the things i you know felt really bad about you know and mm-hmm. just seeing how California, the vibration of the place, the the influence of the place, mm-hmm. this is not good for a person like me. That I'm, I mean, you know, it, there there's a thing that it, it's, don't ever close if you're an open person, but be careful where you live because some places are not good for openness. Mm-hmm. Not when there's that many uh, predators running around. It's just not cool. So, you know, you're falling in and out of these bubbles of these little clicky things. And they, uh, they all had their, whoa, what the hell's going on here? Like it seemed dangerous to your life kind of thing. You know, not that any of it was. It just felt that way. Like this is not a good road. This is not a good yeah. thing to be involved in. You know, whether, it, whether it's not judging the thing. It's just not right for you. Right. And, you know, and so it was like I got a lot of this. Like guidance from voices that you need to get out of here. You need to really figure out you. And you've been basically, you know, trying to stay afloat in a society that's moving far too fast. And, you know, and I needed to slow down. You know, and it's like that was the beginning of learning. And it's interesting what you end up learning. Because it's not what you think. Mm-hmm. It's never what you – it has never been. I mean, if I were to look at the path I've taken – from you know, even when I met Carlos at twenty five, if if you were to ask me what that path looks like then, yeah, it, it would not resemble where what it actually was, not even remotely. And you know, you think you're going to learn all this esoteric stuff? No, you're going to learn how not to be a douchebag. You're going to learn how not to be a dick to anyone or in yourself. But you're also going to learn how to hold your own. You're also going to learn how to speak truth. That you, whatever is, you know, you're seeing, I wouldn't even say truth because that's a weird word. You're going to speak your observations of what you're seeing. Mm -hmm. As you observe a situation, you will speak exactly what it's, what you're getting from it. You're not going to water that down. You know, so it's not like, so when I say don't be a dick to anybody, oh, a lot of people can perceive you're being a dick when you're just trying to show them that, you know, who, whose eyes are you trying to pull that wool over? You know, and if you are trying to pull your wool over my eyes, you do understand that makes you a sheep, right? Because sheep have wool. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. yeah. to to stand against what is clearly, um, let's just say, a misalignment of energies. You know, 
Uh, and having that done um, with cause and purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? That sounds malevolent. Yeah. Malevolent. <laughs> yeah, People with that, an agenda doing thanks. a thing. That's a good one. Like, okay, what word do I use for that? <laughs> malevolent. Malevolent, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so having that kind of fortitude, it, it's, it's not easy to carry because everybody's doubting you all the time. Right. And, you know, and I think when people doubt you, you begin to doubt yourself and they, and when people doubt you and you don't doubt yourself, now there's a whole nother element going on there beyond just doubt. Now it's worry and concern and, oh my God. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and you just kind of, kind of look at them and it's like, yeah, I was there once too. That's part of what you have to come through. That's part of what you learn about is you think your judgments are real about anyone. You realize the only person they're holding back is you. Right. You realize that it, it's your fear of how you'd handle the situation you see that person mm-hmm. in. Because, you know, yeah. I don't remember who's. It's a brilliant statement. You know, you, you and anyone else are only two steps away from being in the it's, same predicament yeah. they're in. Yeah. I mean, and put yourself in their shoes. You know, from where you're sitting comfortably, not affected by the situation, you could say you would do a thing. But if you're in their emotional state, in their mental state, in their physical, energetic freak out, you really think that's going to, you know, that from your calm state of observation, you really think that's how you're going to act in that. Right. So, you know, it's it spooks people, you know. And that, oh, yeah, I think that's why judgment happens. Ugh. You're you're bringing a side of life to me I'm uncomfortable with. You're bringing a situation, a a life experience into my realm that I'm not comfortable with having. Sometimes you have to do that. That's I think that's what clicks are. Is you find a group of people around you, insulate you from any ideas you don't like Mm -hmm. in a way, or experiences you don't like. So you get in your own little country club of fellow participants of the country club life and you just live in your country club and there's nothing outside the country club walls. Right. <laughs> you know? right. Back to the golf thing, you know, that's a whole thing. Yeah. Oh, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's like I, the difference between uh, tribes and communities. Like hmm. tribes have cliques. Com- hmm. Communities don't. So like a uh, example I like to use is your dog shits in the neighbor's yard. Right. In a community, even if you don't know the person really well, if you're not like buddy-buddy, that person can come over to you and just say, hey, you know, I just noticed the past few days, you know, your dog's just been shitting in my yard, you know? Mm-hmm. Just keep an eye out on it. Oh, okay, cool. In a tribe, same well, thing Well, when happens. you say tribe, you mean a Western yeah, idea a, a tri- Yes, a Western, the Western idea. The Western idea, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But in a Western tribe, same thing happens, and that person to go and talk to all their best friends about it, and won't say you. anything about you until maybe a community, a town meeting, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or you might hear a third, to blow person, up, yeah. right? For it to blow up, stashing your ammo. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I'll use that later. You know, <laughs> when, I get, when I decide to be passive aggressive, I'll use that. I'll use that. <laughs> your dog shit in my yard. A quiver full of judgments quiver yeah. full yeah <laughs> quiver full of discomfort yeah for all involved yeah but yeah. you know like i see that in society especially you know out in denver and stuff and i'm like it, it just for me it just shows me how little grace people have well how little grace they're afforded mm, yeah i mean you know it, 
it's it's a really difficult thing because you know we can sit here and ha 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 society all we want because we're sitting on a mountain right right you know and, and 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 i was part of it too i was part of the mindset part of the daily drama of just being an american oh my god how boring oh it's so boring mm-hmm. you know but it's a it's a state of consciousness right it, it's a play it's almost like the system itself in a way is for the unconscious that if we actually became conscious, you don't really need many of these systems. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do for food? You're going to do what your ancestors did. You're going to calm down. <laughs> you're going to not be so lazy. You're going to get up early in the morning and you're going to go look for food in the form of an elk, a deer, a fish, you know, a rabbit. Yep. Oh, yeah, maybe you got some chickens. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, it's just, it's a, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I just. The way society operates, it's like a bandwidth of consciousness that seems more like a prison than it does a, a place where you're going to find freedom mm-hmm. or that you're going to find dignity, really. I mean, you know, you're just giving your life to, you're just a cog, you know, and it's like, oh, I'm, I have a PhD and you have, oh, so you're one of the larger cogs in the machine. <laughs> I mean, that's really, right. but life outside of your PhD expertise, I mean, yeah, come on. How glorious is that? I have a yacht. I have a car. I have two mistresses and a wife. And you still get constipated. You still have headaches. You still don't know who you are. And you're you're doing all this for what exactly? To yeah, win. it's like it's the to win, to win, yeah, to, win. to win. I'm here to win, to win life. Yeah, winning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to win the game of chaos. I don't know if I really want to even play that. Right. Right. I mean, it's like. Yeah. It, it it seems enticing, you know, and there's been times in my life, it hasn't been all that recent, but there's been times in my life where I've lived up here and I want nothing more to have like a downtown apartment, you know, in some hip city where I could go and, you know, um, flare my wares, so to speak. <laughs> da-da, da-da, da-da. You know, walk around yeah. like the cool dude with the long hair and the beard, looks a little like Jesus. Kind of play, a hat. play that kind of fucking savior role so and down roles. the street. Well, I mean, that's, you know, and it's interesting because in doing any kind, of, I mean, you do real work. Yeah, that's that's a, that's one of those things you got to deal with. I mean, you know, like in ceremonies, how many times you met Jesus? Mm-hmm. People come out of the, that medicine. I'm, I'm, I'm the Messiah. I'm Jesus. I'm Neo. I'm this. I'm that. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. But that's one of the things you have to avoid because – once that, it's not like your identity's gone when the presence uh, schools you. It's not like your identity is. It doesn't remove your identity and then bring you up into the heights. It schools you, so you can use your will to dismantle that identity and actually be something glorious mm-hmm. in life itself, not in the eyes of the media or in the eyes of friends or whatever, or your fans or whatever. <laughs> In life, that life shines upon you, and ah, oh, thank you, thank you for this life, right? That kind of thing, you know. And that's when when you're stuck in society, like you know, and you can always tell. It's like, well, you know, you just got to. Well, what do you do for money? How does this get done? How does that get done? It's like, yeah, you're stuck. 
you know, you know, when you have those conversations, like, well, you know, maybe you should just like stop doing that and just go move to the woods. What am I going to do? How am I going to get food? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? Yeah, you're not. It's not. It's for you to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And a system needs to be there for people in a state of consciousness who, I'm sorry to say it, are a little unconscious and need to be told what to do, need to be told where to go. It's like we're all vacationers here. That to me, you want to do you, the most unconscious people on planet Earth are the vacationers of Earth. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever lived in like a resort town where where it's like that? There's a season of tourism that's huge. Mm-hmm. You ever been in a place Ooh, like no, that? That's just park is okay. Like that, yeah, yeah, exactly. I live down the street from there. It, and and you, everything, the, all the tourism things around there are set up to just shuffle the unconscious from one place to the next. Relax, yeah. Okay, everybody, get in the line here. Let's get on the bus. <laughs> Young bus bird. You know, and just mindless. You know, and just they're there to check the out. Right? And you see that. Well, you know, it's like I have had conversations, you know, when people want to get in strange political conversations and say, well, you know, here's one problem you have in America. And I'm not sure if they have this in other countries because who am I to say? I don't know much about them. I visited some of them, but I don't know anything about the daily workings of the whole system they got going on. But in this country, there are no citizens here. <laughs> there are politicians and then there are customers. Mm-hmm. The American population are customers. They're not citizens. You know what I mean? Oh, I do. And and, mm-hmm. and, and, when, and what you're getting in the form of, you know, holding up your sign is customer dissatisfaction. <laughs> well, that's really that, what that, it looks like. That is like. what they wish for us to believe. It doesn't have to be true, but that is what that is how the system set up to make you believe this. Part I, you of the know, I, I watch the, these kind of protesting things going on, and yes. their chants are just ridiculous not cool the whole scene's like okay so you're gonna stand here and you're gonna shake your fists and then you're gonna go home and get back in your car and go to the job for you know to keep this whole system going that then you're gonna go pick it you know what i think the best form of protest is Mm -hmm. is don't (laughs) don't i mean you mean just let him take over yeah yeah i mean I'm not We're going there. off the rails I'm, here. I'm not there. Here we are. We're going into the weeds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, if you're going to be in a country where you're going to allow billionaires to just do whatever the hell they want mm-hmm. and change the whole fabric of your society overnight, right? You're going to let governments just come in and lie to you about this and that and pretty much everything, yeah. right? And then, you know, we're going to go start a little war over here. A little. Why? Well, they're bad people. Well, it sells sells munitions. Yeah, I mean, if <laughs> yeah. we're if it's going to be a country that it allows, I mean, if our biggest problems is there's some transgender person oh, on a Bud Light can, <laughs> if that is our biggest problem, then then there we have no reason to protest. Right. What right. are you protesting against? Well, that's the culture war to keep you asleep from what the real deal is. Well, but the real deal. If you don't conform to that, there are no lights, there's no electricity, there's no running water for you. There might be a gulag. Yeah, well. Right? It might be the distraction on the march there. Right. But what I'm saying is that nobody want, nobody's interested in seeing this thing collapse. Otherwise, no. when, when we're bailing out, when people are bailing out banks, 
this country would be going crazy, but they don't because uh, mm-hmm. as long as that grocery store stays open All right. and I have access to my phone and the yeah. internet, you know what I mean? Oh, I do. It's like craving safety so much that you're not even alive. That's a state of consciousness. Well, the safest place is locked in a box. In the cocoon, yeah. wait for you. Yeah. Right? Not by you, but for That's you. not safe at all, but yeah. Well, you're, it's pure safe. I mean, Aldous Huxley was talking about I it mean, way back in the day. Yeah, right? I mean, you put a frog in water, he feels pretty safe. It's kind of his environment. <laughs> he doesn't realize you've got the burner on and the heat's right. going up, you know. <laughs> and and I, I really think that's part of, you know, what's happening to humanity. Is who exactly is, are your experts on what exactly are they experts of? Their field? <laughs> um, uh, you're not living in their field. You're living your life through eyeballs in an infinite universe. There's experts on that. Really? I mean, and to, to lean in on the, what this person says is real. This is what you got to do. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. It's like you have given up the guidance of life for the guidance of what? A guru. A lot of times. <laughs> and how do you know he knows what's yeah. going on? You know what I mean? So, you know, for me, Having elders around like the ones that I had, they weren't trying to convince me of anything. They weren't trying to get me to believe in anything, not even in myself. They weren't trying to build self-esteem, none of that. They were just giving me their honest observations of the world we were in. And it wasn't tainted by their need for me to like them, pay them, be their fan, like their page, none of that shit. Yeah. It was genuine wasn't there was no salesmanship crap going on there was no chat gpt generated ad for them <laughs> it was like a common ground a common human ground and the fact that they could bring presence into it made you well made me i don't know how what it would do to anyone else made me less afraid of engaging my presence even though i knew nothing about it hmm. you know i knew what i was doing with it well to some degree well, you know, I, I, I'm i of the mind that um, if your life is a mess, and somewhere inside you know you're making it that way. Somewhere in there you know it. You just know it. It's just the voice that you stamp out. Mm-hmm. It's that friend that comes around. Yeah, yeah, no, you don't get to come in today. You're going to ruin my day. Let me wallow and have fun in my delusion. Don't crack it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, you know, and they were very good at, you know, helping not – Assisting you in seeing that you were being delusional, that you were giving value to things that didn't have it, but they weren't telling you what to value. Mm -hmm. They left that open. Right. And, you know, and there wasn't a whole lot of guidance in that. I just think that, you know, if, if you're really serious about development, you get to that place where, oh, you realize what the human dilemma is, your place in it. And that, um, really the the sobering effect of what you really got to do to be okay with being alive again it's a long walk it's a really long walk back from being a trained monkey (laughs) jumping for you know it's like play dead and i'll give you a treat i mean yeah yeah i mean you know you mean a bonus (laughs) yeah yeah you get a bonus you get a bonus for giving us your entire life here, have well, some money. You get up to 12 days off a year, yeah, which yeah. is a, such a gift. You only have to exchange 300 and something. You know, so Joseph was really good at, you know, getting me to ground again. 
Yeah. Because, you know, I didn't, the elders that would come and go and come and go and come and go and come and go and come and go. You mean you didn't really, you were never really spending like years with them or months at a time. You would get a week here, a week there, a week here, a week there, you know, and that was good. But when I met Joseph High Eagle, now that's a different being altogether. I mean, you know, he's in his 90s. And, you know, and basically being there with him, he he had, let's just say his presence would ground you in a way that if there was anything that needed to be done, you'd do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was interesting because he would never say it. He would just kind of look at something. Yeah, one day I got to get that done. <laughs> and he'd go inside and then we'd go get it done. And you would feel the this kind of presence rise up in you for actually taking care of the needs of the person that was showing you life like you've never seen it. Mm-hmm. So the reciprocity kind of side of it sat in, which to me, reciprocity is respect. It's, it's not an exchange for this, for that, tit for tat. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a respect. And sometimes, you know, what I do, a lot of the reciprocity I receive is, is, you know, a, a thanks and some, you know, some respect. That's it. There's not much more that can, you know, there's, there's, we've had those situations, right? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, they got no money, but they do have reverence for the process. They have reverence for, you know, they have respect for you. You know, so yeah, there's no problems there. You know, you can kind of accommodate those things, but to have somebody, you know, like him that he didn't demand reciprocity from you, right? but you found it, it's weird. It's like, it helped you find your heart that, ah, uh, that's where reciprocity really comes from. So I, I mean, reciprocity has a tinge of tick for tack that, that uh, matchingness where it's almost like inspiring just giving without expectation it seems like yeah the gift the giving you know that's what we it was oh. always referred to then giving, yeah. uh, giving of a gift and that gift was usually intense labor <laughs> <laughs> well you know they're old you can't yeah, do much, yeah. you know? so if a wall falls down like there was one that you know he had this wall built to hold back like a landslide yeah, yeah, so but in his house, right. you're looking at it, it's like, it could you know, easily come through the back wall. You know, Working. you're looking at it, you know, you're not going, oh, that sucks. God, it'd be great if he could get that fixed and drive away. It's like, just do it. Just start picking up rocks and start building it. Let's rebuild this thing, yeah. you know, get it right. Put some dead men in there and put some anchorage in there, you know, anchor it into the <laughs> ground that's holding so it holds it. You know, that whole thing, and I had some experience doing it. So, you know, I jumped in, got the guys going, hey, what are you guys doing? It's like, well, you know, let's finish this wall. You know, and and just it's interesting because, you know, I think that's part of what people miss when they're for themselves is there's like this quickening of energetic presence. Um, Your heart rises up. it, It gives you the energy to actually carry out the task. And it makes it fun. It makes it pleasant. It makes it worthwhile and meaningful mm-hmm. you're just, you know you're not getting paid for it necessarily but you do get to spend time with the old man so that's good you know yeah. and and but not like a guru wasn't right. no guru in him there's none, none of that you know joseph Heigl, he was a lakota medicine man yeah. profound individual scary you know i've said that before mm-hmm. you know, I, would, I will never take that back he was spooky <laughs> mm-hmm. especially when he would practice dying but, you know, he kind of <laughs> got my feet grounded because 
you know, like I had said earlier, you know, and hanging out with those elders that weren't around long, you could really get your ego going. You could mm-hmm. get yourself some beautiful angel wings and pretend like you're flying above it all. But, you know, any, and that's really just neglecting your responsibilities as a human on earth. That's, you know, that can happen. The ego can definitely take you mm-hmm. away from your responsibilities and you pretend that you're actually, you know, acting with more integrity than you actually are. You know, that can, that's a, Still a thing. It's still a thing. It's yeah. a human, human thing. Yeah, you know, but to be able to, you know, stand there and do that, it just brings that heart forward and makes you see the value and oh, what this actually is. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's like a quickening. It's not like oh, we did it and that's it and everything's good. What, is, what does quickening mean? That may be a term that's not so well known. Yeah, quickening to me is it's like you level up a little bit, that you mature a little bit, that. Some of your your mental gymnastics, really your your mental bullshit gets discarded. Mm-hmm. That you know you're not so puffity chest <laughs> that you can actually calm down and be in a situation without needing to dominate it, control it, be seen for a certain way, any of that. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of. But you know, in like I said, with the, you know, the elders, you didn't see much. You could get this ego build and, you know, there's a community around it. So they're seeing you as something, you know. Mm-hmm. So getting to Joseph, yeah, yeah, he wasn't having any of that. Yeah. He gives shit. He'd just call it out. You know, yeah, thing. you know, someone come down and say, we're doing a special ceremony. He's like, oh, you guys are going to go play? <laughs> just, <laughs> you know, there was a couple times where people come down that I actually admired. You know, mm-hmm. they were pretty big shots back in the day. And they would come down to do their thing, and I'd be all excited, you know. And Jeff's like, "You're not gonna, you're, you're not gonna really go do that, are you?" I'm like, "What?" He's like, "You're gonna go play with those children? Is that really what you're gonna do?" You know. And these people are in their forties and fifties. I'm in my twenties. I'm twenty-two at the time, and uh, I'm just kind of looking. I'm like, I really wanted to go, but he made it to where it's like, yeah, I'm probably. I'm definitely not going. <laughs> I'm just going to say. But you did here. in one or two cases, didn't you, though? What's that? You kind of did in one or two I cases. went once. Yeah, yeah. That was the last time. <laughs> he even looked at me before he left. Because, I mean, it's. These people are still alive, so. I don't know. If He's not, don't don't names. names. No names. <laughs> but there were this these people that had this special uh, affinity for um, Mesa Verde, the Anasazi people. Mm-hmm. And when you're young, you're, you're you're far more impressionable than you are when you're older. Not to say that you can't be impressionable when you're older. You can't True. be. But the, the things that they would say and some of the things they could do kind of made you enamored. So they were talking about doing this. They were going to open portals in the Sun Temple in Mesa Verde, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a time of year when no one's there, so you can kind of pull that shit off. And that they've got these crystals, these special crystals, because, you know, crystals are special. Okay. <laughs> well, the Earth is made out of them, but okay. I mean, special. They're all over the universe, but oh, I get it. Um, but they have these special crystals, and we're going to go into this kiva, which is like a ceremonial, yeah, that's all you can say. It's a ceremonial place for the Anasazi doing whatever it is right. they were doing. Let's not, you know, let's not assume we know. And uh, we go, you know, he has this thing where for like a couple days before you had to sit 
and you had to, he would call your color. Everybody had to hold a certain color in their mind. And at the time, I thought the mind was a great gift. So much I, and I've come to find it's quite a curse. But anyway, <laughs> but at the time, I'm like, yeah, that mind has hands and it's grippy. So my color was cobalt blue. Ooh, yeah, mine's so blue too. I had to pull in the radiance, the energy, and the frequency of cobalt blue and hoard it. <laughs> for how long? Oh, so that, embarrassing. That's, that's good. That's good. Embarrassing's good. So, you know, there's 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 know, these eight people in there and they've all got a color to hold. And I'm in there, you know, I'm watching. I'm not the first cuz blue is not the first. Blue is like the fifth. Hmm. And we're supposed to have our eyes closed and be very sacred. Hmm. Right. And I just, you know, curiosity when you're 22 years old is pretty intense. So just, my, I'm watching this, you know, he goes, orange. And the guy that's holding orange is like, <laughs> it's like, what is going on? What's really going on here? I don't feel anything. I don't feel any, like, uh, you know, a slide of a mechanism for the portal to open. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like a, a rush of wind from the cosmos, nothing. Yeah, so then you go to the next person, this girl, this woman's she's like shaking and doing this whole thing. So it comes around, it gets to me, it goes blue. I don't even, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of, it's because you know, the look that Joseph gave me before we left <laughs> kind of was ringing in my ear, you know, that was just sitting there in my face when my eyes closed. I could just see Joseph, <laughs> yeah, he really part of him do this absurd thing. So I don't even hold blue. I just, he goes blue, and I just kind of sit there. I'm not. I'm. I'm really just seeing Joseph laughing. Really, mm -hmm. that's what I'm saying. And we go through it, and it gets to this guy, right? And he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna open the portals." And I open my eyes to see, like, oh, yeah. really? At this point, I'm realizing what's going on. That we're, this is this is a this is theatrics. There's mm -hmm. nothing real going on here. And he hit the crystals together. Mm -hmm. And they shattered. And then him and his partner at the end, because everybody heard it, and they were like, oh, he's like, you can open your eyes now. And he's standing there with these shattered crystals in his hand. And they were telling everybody they exploded in his hands and the portal was open. Hmm. And I didn't have, I mean, I'm the young one. It's kind of interesting sometimes, you know, because I see this in young people. They're the only ones that see the truth of what's going on, and they're just keeping it to themselves mm -hmm. and watching all this shit go mm -hmm. down. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I think that's what spooks adults about children is they might see your antics way clearer than you're seeing them. Very astute. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah, And, you know, so that whole thing happens. We get back to the house, and he's like, so how was it? <laughs> you know, they he didn't really say anything around them because you know they were friends of of his wife Twyla, and uh, he just kind of watched them do their thing, you know. And they were talking about the ceremony. Like, you have a good ceremony, yeah, yeah. Grandfather was amazing. We opened a portal. Oh, that's nice. That's all I'd say. Yeah, I, I knew the I, I knew how he really felt, but no one really else did, you know. And uh, so they left, and he, you know, that's when he really pulled me in. He's like, is this what you're going to do? You're going to be a part of this kind of like, woo, woo clown show? Mm -hmm. Or you want to be a real human being? You want to be a, you know, a real warrior in this world? 
Because, you know, Lakota are very much about the warrior walk, and it's a rites of passage. It's And it's not about being tough and, ah, I can take on the world. I could kill Custer a thousand times. It's not about that. It's about, you know, holding presence when it's vastly under attack by everything, mm-hmm. you know, by by government rules, by corporate, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it, to hold the presence even when you're enticed to give it up for some shiny thing. And, and that kind of set the tone. And then he passed away. And then when he passed away, there was, you know, some people in the orbit. Mm-hmm. This always happens. They want to you know, when, when, when the master dies, it, it's like the gestures take over. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching this go down. You know, I didn't watch it for long. It, it, I, it's, it's like I just knew. It's time for me to go. I'm not about whatever this is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, knowing Joseph was amazing, you know, and, and I pretty much at that point, you know, this is 94 now, and I pretty much at that point just, you know, kind of, gave, I was going to give it up. It's like, I'm just going to, I'm going to forget this whole thing. I learned what I learned. Maybe that'll help me. I'm still, you know, young, 24 years old, not old, you know, still, you know, still discombobulated, but it felt like I got, you know. I honored the relationships that I had, but I'm done. I'm not, I, I'm not doing this anymore. And, you know, that went on for like about a year, you know, just kind of did a job and, you know, building a career, that kind of thing. And then, you know, and truly I was done. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my friend Dan was working down at this place called the Thunderbird Inn, the Fossil Inn. It's in Florissant. So, you know, where all the cars are, the green building across from the Thunderbird Oh yeah, that used closed. to be yeah, yeah, yeah. That used to be called the Fossil Inn. It was like a four star oh. restaurant. Four stars up here. Okay? <laughs> four stars up here is like a half star in any major metropolitan area. How I get much it. better than Mountain Burger was? <laughs> but you know, yeah. I mean, you know, gourmet food up here is bis- biscuits and gravy and burnt eggs. I mean, the barbecue joint up here is really good. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, <laughs> people are starting to move in. That you know, actually have some decent stuff, but. You know, he was working. He said, and he comes and finds me, you know, comes over to my house. And he's like, dude, I'm like, what? He's like, there's this guy that came in today. I said, yeah. What about him? He's like, he just reminds me of everything, you know, you, the stuff you talked about with natives. This guy, dude, this guy. He didn't know him. Never, you know, he just kind of came in occasionally. He had this woman with him and a little kid. And, you know, he's was telling me about him. So well, that's intriguing. I said, you know, he's like, you dude, he's like one of those people I think you, you'd want to meet. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, and, and it was a few days later. This is probably July 1st, 2nd, maybe. And uh, so a week goes by, and then, <clears throat> you know, I hadn't talked to Dan you know, in that time, mm-hmm. but apparently he had invited this guy to go stay on his land. You know, him, the the, the woman he was with, and the girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, told me his name was Carlos. You know, this guy, Carlos. Didn't say anything else. And then, uh, so I'm driving down this dirt road out here one day, and he's going out to dance. It's my birthday, actually, July mm-hmm. 10th. And uh, me and my ex-wife were driving in this red Bronco. And he was, I'm driving by the dirt, you know, Teller 12 down here, the dirt road. And I'm driving by it, and there's a car pulled over to the side. It's a little red Honda, California plates. And this guy sticks his hand out. I mean, I've said that. I've told this story before. Mm-hmm. Sticks his hand out, right? And I figure they need help. I get pull up behind him, get out, walk up to the car, and he jumps out. Just starts shaking my hand. It's nice to meet you. It's nice to finally meet you. I'm like, what the hell? 
hell is going on? I mean, the dude in the picture, right? That's him. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a stunning thing for me anyway. It's like I've spent a lot of time with guys who look like that. This is something, but this was something else. This was something else entirely. It immediately, I was just shaking his hand, just mesmerized. He's just looking at me, you know, and there's definitely presence. So I'm pretty versed at feel, not having it. <laughs> <laughs> feeling it in others yeah i mm-hmm. could definitely do that you know see energy is another way of saying it um but i could feel his presence like right away and the handshake and the look the whole thing and he asked me for you know he's like i'm trying to get to dan pedro's i said oh, yeah i know dan yeah he's like uh do you know how to get there i'm like yeah you go up this road you just give him directions and he just got in the car and drove away All right well later that evening there was a because dan's birthday is pretty close to mine within a few days and so my ex-wife and Lori, his ex-girlfriend, wife, for black, basically wife, were having a, you know, throwing us a party. Mm-hmm. And so me and, you know, Jennifer, when I was interesting, because after he pulled away, I got back in the Bronco and I looked over at Jen and you know, my ex-wife and she looks at me, she's like, what was, what was that all about? I said, you know, I have a feeling I just met Carlos Castaneda. Mm-hmm. She's like, the writer? I'm like, yeah, I, I think that's who that was. She's like, huh. And then we just drove away, right? And uh, we go to Dan's house later that night for the party, and Carlos is there. And, you know, there's other people there. There's probably 20 people there. And Carlos is kind of off by himself, and he's got Sisu and Markale, which was the lady and the kid that mm-hmm. he showed up with. You know, kind of mingled, went up, and it was so funny because the first thing he said to me, walks up to me, right? He's like, you. I'm like, what? He's like, those were the worst directions ever. You know, you know, I had to stop. I yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, you know, I had to stop and ask a couple other people for directions because you're not good at giving directions at all. You know, I'm just like, oh, I'm sorry. You know. Still, you may still not be good at that. I don't know, actually. And you know, and it, it was funny because the whole night I'm sitting there, you know, and I'm, you know, doing, I'm trying to have conversations with the people that are there, mm-hmm. but it's like. I just kept my eye on him. It was like I couldn't stop looking over at him, looking over at him. And I had to fight everything in me to ask him if he was Carlos Castaneda because that's just going to sound stupid. Mm-hmm. Right? I was like, why would you even consider such a thing? And uh, <clears throat> so, you know, we're sitting there and, he, and I, he caught me looking at him. He walks over to me, right? And so we, and me and him sit down and talk. And, you know, a couple of people were lingering, but they weren't interested in our conversation. They walked away. And, uh, you know. He looks at me. He's like, you know, Cristobal, nice to meet you. Happy birthday. And I said, and who are you, by the way? Anyways, I'm Carlos Castaneda. I'm like, the writer? He's like, yes, the writer. And I was like, okay, okay. And then from there, everybody clears out. Meet him, go sit at this picnic table. Because I, I read his books. You know, oh, I read them yeah. when I was young. One of the first books I ever finished, Separate Reality. And, you know, and I was really into shamanism. That was one of the, because, you know, when you're trying to figure these things out and, you're doing these plants. I mean, that's obviously the path you're going to go, but I'm reading these shitty books on shamanism and nobody knows what the fuck they're talking about. It's just you know, something to sell a book. It's like Hollywood production, shamanism. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, I'm totally interested in meeting this guy, which kind of revives everything I just said I was going to put down and never do again. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the door's open and you have more responsibility that you might not want as a youngster. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I condone that. Opening the door to more responsibility than you can handle. It's called learning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, so I'm sitting across from him, you know, and like I've said, I think I said it in one of the earlier ones. It's like he's walking around in my head. I could hear him. 
and reciting all my thoughts, you know, and I'm just feeling naked as a jaybird, undefended. It's like, you know, I I had a pretty um, easy time of dominating people in with my intelligence. I'm not saying that as a, look at me. No, as a kid, I used that to dominate everything to make myself look better, even when, you know, it just wasn't called for. Seeking right? advantage. So, yeah, and <laughs> I could actually, point. like, keep people out of my head, hmm. keep people from figuring me out. Mm-hmm. This guy's just reciting everything in my head, so I'm feeling extremely vulnerable, right? And he looks at me, he has this glare in his eyes, and, you know, I'll always remember that. That's something that never leaves you. He's like, Christ of all, the world's like an onion. You just got to peel back the layers and watched him vanish in front of me. And then here's a picnic table. He's across from me. There's a pine tree behind him. That pine tree's just doing warping and whiffing. And, but he's not there. No clothes. No, no, you know, there's not a pile of clothes. It's just gone. But I could, the presence you felt was insane. I was like, whoa. It, it was like being on the most powerful entheogen on the planet at full dose plus but clear and sober mm-hmm. if that makes any sense mm-hmm. just clear as a bell right that presence was there so i was just mesmerized by that and then he comes back into focus he's sitting there again right you know which i've said this before and i mean maybe i could go into it a little more than i did before that moment it was so damn frightening i mean it was purely amazing i'm like wow but and, and while it was happening i was in that but the minute it stopped the weight that hit me was like a ton of bricks right he's he's studying me when he gets back he's just looking at me right gauging me and i'm you know kind of shaking up a little bit because it's not like wow that was cool how'd you do that it's like what the fuck is life what is reality Oh my God, that can't happen. And it just happened in front of me. And there is no taking that back. There's no one seeing that. And it unravels the way you look at the world. It unravels who you think you are. It unravels everything right there. You're just, Mm -hmm. girl, I am untethered soul, totally freaked out. You know, Mm -hmm. he looks at me, he's like, Christoval, you know, looks under the table. You didn't piss yourself. And I just kind of was shaking my head. No, I didn't piss myself. I kind of figured that was real. That that was part of reality. I just, you know, never really experienced anything like that kind of thing. He says, oh, when Don Juan did that to me, I pissed myself, I shit myself. They had to take me to the river and wash me off. They're poking at me, laughing at me. You know, and, and it, it was a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. It was not, you know, a life-saving experience. There was nothing in it that was like, I'm free. I see the truth. No, you got to see something that your worldview doesn't account for. Well, what else does your worldview not account for? And why is your worldview trying to sell you a version of reality that is clearly not true? That's what you're going through. Mm-hmm. So you can't trust and believe yourself, anything, anything you've been told, any expert on anything. Because if I walked up to an expert on life and said, hey, I watched some guy disappear, well, that's impossible. Okay, then you obviously don't know what you're talking about because I did see this. This isn't a hallucination. You know, it's not some fantasy. That was uh, warped me pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, and then from that point on, you know, it's that was every day with him. You know, he 
he asked me what I was doing the next day. I said, I don't really have plans. He's like, be here at eight in the morning. Picked him up. We go drive around in the woods and, you know, pretty much the relationship I had with him started there. I mean, I, it's like I've, you know, that was 28 years ago. Mm-hmm. In July, it'll be, yeah, 28 years in July. <clears throat> and it, it's been so, it's like I've gone through, do I talk about this? Do I don't? You know, I've done some lectures on it, some speaking engagements on it. But it's like, I, I, will people even understand what I'm trying to convey with what I actually learned from this guy? You know, it's like, I sit here now and it's like, I couldn't, I pretty much owe everything I've accomplished in myself to him and not really him necessarily. He didn't do anything for me, but he gave me the drive, the fortitude, the, the warrior spirit to like really face the harder things in life. So that was one of the, I mean, right off the bat, that's one of the harder ones, you know? And it's like over the weeks after that, it's like the rug was pulled out from underneath your feet, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, but it was, it was beautiful. It was so simple. He was not, you know, when you read Carlos's books, they're pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of fantastic stuff in there. There's, you know, the gates of dreaming and him doing his dreaming sequences. He's meeting organic beings. You know, he's fighting off La Catalina. He's jumping off a cliff. He's going across the bridge with the young ones, you mm-hmm. know, and all this crazy shit. He's meeting Silvio Manuel, who knows the intent of everything and sits in the dark, you know. All you know, the antics that he goes through with Gennaro where, you know, he's under a hat and he's mm-hmm. suddenly flying across the trees and across the mountains and doing all that. You know, that's Dom Juan. Mm-hmm. Right? And Carlos, uh, actually, in all honesty, didn't give a fig about doing any of that. Dom Juan was of a different world. Right? He even said, I am the end of my lineage. But it... He's the end of of that version of it. Mm-hmm. Carlos, I think, was ushering in. It's kind of, I would call it a return, but at the same, you know, like coming full circle return. But it's a new world. It's a different world. The world that Don Juan and Carlos were interacting in, it is not the same world. So it's not that that had to be scrapped I almost see Carlos as he updated it for a modern life. And I've watched people try to do this. Modern shamanism. <laughs> and it that's there's just nothing in that. I, I don't, you know, and yeah, maybe people are gonna get really upset about that. Well, no, I like you what you do is real and what I don't do is real. I don't really do anything. Um I just mm, mm, that's that's not those things don't mix. They just don't. And there's really no way you're going to make a mix. You can turn a business, right? You can make a pretty profitable business, you know, being a ceremonialist, you know, teaching people shamanism class. You can get certified as a shaman. I know. <laughs> I do know about that. Right? And what those men brought, especially Carlos and Joseph, uh, this is about something that remains still so outside of of the context of the American life that it may as well seem uh, far-fetched and too magical for real. Right. A fairy tale mm-hmm. so from some crazy culture that doesn't really do anything real. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's not 
this modern world of convenience and excess. You know, so, and I look at Carlos, he's translating that. How do you maintain that connection? How do you maintain the integrity of that path when the modern world is closing in around you? AI is closing in around us quickly, mm -hmm. right? I mean, there are people out there who claim they love somebody and they're having chat GPT write their wedding vows. This is going on, right? I mean, you know, and oh, yeah. the shallowness of society does not apply to the, the path of, of real life. It, it's an absurd, almost like an insult to it. Mm -hmm. Right, which why some of those more accomplished consciously people are really upset in the world because they see it, and and you know, and everybody splashing around in the pool doesn't mm -hmm. see it, but they do, so it makes them a little upset. It makes them a little more like this is more serious. There is a chance that we could lose all of our freedoms, all of the people on this earth. Yeah. In a very short period of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The panopticon, the prison that you have no eyes not on you. Right. right. You know, and the idea that freedom is, you know, a 5,000 square foot house with the with the, <laughs> the trust fund. I know about that. That's a that's a freedom inside the system. Right. But outside of it, it don't do you any good. This doesn't, you know. Yeah. It's kind of like the, well, you know, the world you're going to live beyond death is probably not going to have any of this stuff in it. Most likely. How 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 well-versed are you in that world? <laughs> because it's just as much part of you as this one is. So, you know, it's like, I think it's impossible for people to make a leap from society and then fully understand what Carlos was writing about in those books, you know, and to compare it to any other thing is really not, it's not real either. That's a serious undertaking of life as life is not as we've kind of color by numbered it to make it appealable to us, you know, mm -hmm. to make it a, you know, a fancy thing. Right. I mean, but Don Juan's was all about that in a wall, the mystery, the power, the, the, the magic, the sorcery, as mm -hmm. you would call it, the shamanism side of it, which he did not like that word, nor did Carlos. I mean, there's, there's no such thing. <laughs> That's what he'd always say. There's, there's, he says, there's, what did he call them? Um, what? It was, they use it in the charlatans. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of charlatans that can take you into a dead end. And that dead end can be full of fun, but it's a dead end. Yeah. So he's like, that's, you know, there's not really any shamans. There's medicine then. There's that. Mm -hmm. You know, common sense, obviously. But what Carlos was bringing, you know, as a being uh, was vastly different than what you read about. It's not that it countered it or it was an opposition to it. He was just not interested in, in you know, I think he had been in those worlds enough that he, he was trying, he was, how would I put this, pointing out the value of this one. Hmm. Like, it's true value 
for a human being to live a good life here on this planet. So where Don Juan was like the master of the Nawal, mm-hmm. Carlos was the master of the tonal. Uh, straight up. I have never seen anyone master the physical world and situations that usually could go sideways and turn them into glorious moments over and over and over again. There was one night me and Carlos were driving in the red Honda because my car was broken down. I wasn't going to drive this car. It was not registered. The registration was out. It had issues. And I'm young. I don't like cops because <laughs> when I'm young, they mess with me. Mm-hmm. So Carl, I mean, Carl said, you got to drive. I'm not driving this car. You drive. You should drive. I'm like, no, you drive. So we're driving. There's no taillights. I don't know this. <laughs> I'm not even sure he knows it. You know? But we're driving this car. It's, you know, we're going. And are you driving? No, he oh, is. he's driving. Okay. So we're going down um, Teller 1, mm-hmm. right by Evergreen Station. Mm-hmm. No taillights. And a cop is parked there, Teller County Sheriff, pulls him over, right? Walks up to the door. I'm freaking out because I know this is a bust. We're, there's no insurance on this car. There's no registration on this car. He is not having any of that. And he doesn't even have any ID, for <laughs> Christ's sake. No driver's license. And so the cops walk up to the car. And this is, uh, first thing they say, they look in the car, they look at him, they go, license and registration, please. And, you know, well, here I am. This is the end of the road. And they're they're going to take him. And uh, Carl's like, hey, can I see your flashlight? He's like, your taillights are out. Because Carl's like, you pulled me up before. He's like, your taillights are out. Huh, can you point your, your flashlight at the fuse box? And I, I mean, I'm thinking, okay, Carl's is getting deported because they want him out of the country badly because of the things he's, you know, done that no one really under, you know, knows about. The mm-hmm. things he told me, and you know, yeah, you do those things, you know, once you're out of the damn country. I mean, you're making the CIA look bad. Yeah, they probably want you out of the country. Um, but he, th- these cops immediately turn into his servants, like right on the spot. I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, I'm still a little shaky because I'm, I'm watching Carlos just navigate the situation. Right, they're trying to fix the car. They forget all about the license, the registration, the insurance, everything, and they're just trying to fix the car, right? And they can't get it fixed. So they give us an escort up the hill. <laughs> right? We had a cop in front of us with lights on and one behind us. And they escorted us up to Mary Peter Zuter's house mm-hmm. where the car got parked and then got you know got fixed and all that. But you know, I thought for sure this is it. This is the yeah. end of the road. And it just awesome. unfolded that way. It was like, wow, this is incredible. And in the way he I mean, he was the most loving being I've ever met. But in a real way. Right. Not in a, as long as you please me, I love you. But the minute you point out something that I'm, you know, faulty about, I'm going to erupt on you. Not that kind of love. So he wasn't really, I mean, in some ways he's manipulating them, but in some ways he wasn't. He's like honestly asking for help and they actually gave it. You know, if he was manipulating him, he was doing it with mutual respect, Mm -hmm. kindness, and a charisma that was humble. Yeah. Not like a... Uh-uh. Not like a preacher not that's like, charismatic. He yeah. wasn't being Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> These are not the drugs you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't doing a Jedi mind trick on him. He was just genuinely engaged. I mean, that's the... Th- that's why it's so hard to talk about. because everybody wants the magic. No, no. The genuine communication is the magic. Mm-hmm. The genuine connection. He genuinely connected with those two officers. Mm-hmm. And... 
I mean, I, they were. I think they were just giddy to be in his presence because they were feeling it as well. Yeah, they could That's feel how much he was trying to connect with them on a real human level. See, I've heard the story many times, but I don't think I've ever dug into well, it this way. Really, I've never really expounded on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, as what it is, is a personal experience. Yeah, yeah. And I always kind of thought it was more of a Jedi mind trick when I heard the story before, but now right. I, I, now I understand do. it differently. Yeah, right. yeah. Hmm. Interesting. And, the and, other- and the, the, the trick of it is you have to clear all your shit to get to that place. So the trick is, all you have to do is clear all your shit. <laughs> oh, that's so easy. Right. You know, and you've, you're staring at a you know, 76-year-old man with, if you were to look on the internet about who Carlos Castaneda is, that's a heavy burden to carry. You know, mm-hmm. that can be, he was gone before the internet was really taken off. And, right. You know, he's being, you know, there's so much shit being said about him. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, you know, and I... You know, people ask me, you know, he, he molested this girl. He had these these witches and chuck mules, and he was doing 10 segrity workshops out in California, and that guy was in trouble, and, you know. And none of that yeah. was true. Not from my perspective. Yeah. Not, I mean, to me, you know, what I know about him personally, um, what I what I think that was, was character assassination. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, that's the tactic. And it could have come from all kinds of directions. Because you know he talked about there's a it's a famous house Timothy Leary had it Richard Alpert those guys Northern California was another no I kind of I want to say it was like upstate New York or something uh, oh okay oh yeah 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 they're out there well he was invited out there and he didn't appreciate those guys at all he he you know no matter of fact you know uh, yeah he just didn't he did not like Timothy Leary mm-hmm. he said he was a very irresponsible man. And uh, was really after his own desires more than he was to help anybody. And mm-hmm. he really made a mess of things. And, you know, that house that they were doing, I can't remember what it was. There was like a documentary about it. But he said it was a shit show. It was an entire shit show. It was not about anything he had learned from Don Juan. They were psychonauts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and Carlos, I mean, that's part of the reason he never let me take plants. Is, Dude, you know, you know, he did not want me becoming a psychonaut. You know, mm-hmm. it's like just traveling out into these other dimensional states, these other energetic presences, these other alignments of consciousness, and just go, wow, that's cool, and come back and be a the same idiot you've always been. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a development to this. There's a way that you develop inside of this universe to be able to attain a state of consciousness that provides a different life, even a different view of this cosmos, a whole different way of being in it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and they weren't about that. It was more for the publicity, right. and you know, and people are like, you know, he was doing ten segregated workshops. It's like, really, show me a playbill of that. Show me a flyer, a video, a conference, a, a talk he gave. Come on, you guys. If Carlos Castaneda is doing ten segregated workshops in California, somebody filmed it. Yeah, somebody filmed it. There's none of that. There's a lot of hearsay. There's a lot of people talking about it. Clear Green, this corporation that came out of California. Yeah, you know, they're 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 weird. That's a weird thing. I haven't called them once. Yeah. Talked to them and they basically told me that they own the rights to Carlos Castaneda and I'm not allowed to say anything about anything because they have authority to say that I didn't know him. Wow. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I I, I don't you know, it's like I could poke into that and be the guy that researches, gets the data on all. I don't give a shit. Because yeah. it's not really, that's not even about what 
he was showing me, that's not about what Don Juan was showing him. It has nothing to do with any of that. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's just another little sinkhole to put your consciousness into. Right. You know, but if he was really that much into the publicity, you'd think there'd be a lot of pictures of him. There'd be a lot of stories about him. There'd be a lot of... Ex- but the only thing you get is this kind of weird shit on the internet. Well, and also yeah. thousands of people would have showed up too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's what he always avoided. He didn't want that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And the funny thing is, like, Carlos Castaneda, that's, that's, not, that's not his real name. Right. It's a pen name. It's not like he is. No, you know, that he was born as Carlos Castaneda. Uh, yeah, you take a pen name when you don't want to be known. Mm-hmm. Right, I mean, if he really wanted the publicity and go out and molest people, you think he'd be like, "I wrote these books. This is me. This is my name." And this oh, yeah. is, you know, but his name was Joseph Caesar Arena. Mm-hmm. But you know, when he took the the pen name Carlos Castaneda, it worked out pretty well because you know, there's a lot of them in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, just like Joe Smith, there's a ton of Carlos Castanetas in the in the Latin in Latin America, all mm-hmm. over it. You know, mm-hmm. the Castaneda is a pretty popular name down there. Right. And so is Carlos. Yeah. You know, I think the Spanish might have something to do with that. Yeah. Yeah, usually. You know, that's kind of how it goes. You take over a town and they just take your last name. Right, right. So that kind of happened a lot down there. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing when you go down to um, the Navajo Reservation. The There's Bengay. really the Begays and the Yazis. Yeah. And I'm like, how do they get the name? Well, you know, the people that conquered them, they took the name. That's it. That's mm-hmm. These are the Begays. These are the Yazis. It's, and but everybody has the same last name. No relation, <laughs> blood-wise, but they have the same last name. Yeah. Like Washington. Yeah. We did it here, too, right? Jefferson. The slave owners gave the last name of their slaves. They gave them their last name. Mm-hmm. You know, Washington, Lincoln. You know, it's, that's yeah. kind of where that all comes from. Yeah. Kind of, and kind of just you know, an interesting aside, anyway. But, you know, um, how, what do I, why do I want to say about him you know that's there was no pride there there was no want of attention of any kind none matter of fact we'd have to you know there was one night where we were in the midnight rose it's a casino up in cripple creek i was waiting for jen to get off work and this russian dude sits next to me and his girlfriend's american they sit down next to me and they strike up a conversation. So I start conversing with them. You know, and they're talking about going to, you know, they've been to this reservation. And, you know, they're doing the Indian kind of tour. I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. They said, well, you know, what we're really doing is we're looking for Carlos Castaneda. You ever heard of Carlos Castaneda? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, the writer? Yeah. I'm like, we're looking for him. I said, well, what brings you to Cripple Creek? And the Russian guy says, I, I had premonition that he was here. And I'm like. Well, that's weird, right? Mm-hmm. And so I go back to the house where Carlos was. I'm like, hey, Carlos is a Russian guy up here that you know just met me at a bar, and they're looking for you. They're he he wants to meet you, and you know, and they, there's a couple times where he obliged that mm-hmm. they came over, but it was funny because every time someone came over, they you know they put so much emphasis on who they were going to meet, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was just all air got sucked out of their bubble when they met pretty much a pragmatic, simple, very loving, but pragmatic, simple man. They were expecting a wizard. His holiness. They were expecting his holiness, the the wizard sorcerer. With robes and all that. Yeah, you know, and it's like, yeah, did he go through that? Yes. And did he know about that? Oh, more so than anybody else I've ever met. Um, 
was he well versed in those other states of being? Absolutely. Did he make a big deal out of it? Nope, not at all. Uh, there was one night where Don, uh, so there's Dan and Lori, and they were you know a couple pretty much the same age as me and Jen. They were our best friends. That's how the whole thing started. Hmm. And they were having some very hard times, very hard times, and especially Lori. And, you know, Carlos was, here's how his medicine worked. As far as doing any kind of work on somebody, this is, this is how it went. I don't know the exchange that went down. I can imagine, because I've been in the same place, uh, someone who is going to listen to you probably more than you're hearing yourself, He's going to get down to the root, the energetic element that's causing this disturbance. And he's going to start yanking on that. And that's kind of what he does. But he does it lyrically. Right? Man, he was a master of words. Master. And he always told me, Cristobal, you know, like you make me read the dictionary. You have to read the dictionary. If you're going to use words, if words are going to use, words you're going to use are going to have power. You got to know what you're saying. You know, okay, so, you know, kind of. He obviously did it in the writing. Well, anyway, you know, Lori comes up to where we're staying because we're camping on some land in the summer because it's the summertime. And, you know, we weren't allowed to live indoors, so we set up this camp. And he looks, you know, he comes up to me and Jenny's like, so Lori's going to come over. You know, I'm going to help her out. Uh, I just need you guys to go away for a while, you know, just so we can have some privacy. Like, okay, cool. So me and Jen head down to the movies. You know, go see a movie down in Springs about an hour away. You know, eat dinner, you know, try to make it long. And then, you know, after the movie, I'm kind of look over at you. I'm like, you know, seem like it'd be okay to go home now. Because, you know, when Carlos said to do something, I took it seriously. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to be breaking the rules. I tried that a couple times. It didn't work out so well for me. It's like if I'm going to, if I'm going to willingly stay, even if it's against my will, which sometimes I kind of wondered. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but if I'm going to be here, I'm going to do, I can't screw this up. I got to really be here the way. So, you know, I took it seriously. So I, you know, asked Jen, you know, for just a, a little validation of something. You, you think it's okay that we go home? She's like, yeah, I, I think it's cool. So we drive up. There's nobody there. You know, he had gone to spend the night at Dan and Lori's that night. But when we pulled up to that property, there are a herd of elk, a herd of deer. There's coyotes. There's bears. There's raccoons. It's like Bambi. Uh, and it's everything is hanging out with everything. It was the weirdest thing. It was like, this is like the Garden of Eden where the lion lays with the lamb. What the hell is this? Because the predator and prey are like feet away from each other. Few of them, few of them, few of them. Hmm. All up because we had this, you know, it was like a driveway that went up like this. And then it crowned. And then the campground was just a little elevated above that. But up the hill, driving up the hill, off to the side, there's just every form of wildlife hanging out, owls. Hmm. I mean. I'm trying to stress how much was there. A lot. You know, I'm just like, wow, I mean, this is unbelievable. Yeah. And we pull up to the place where, you know, we park the car and across, you know, the field, there's a log that, you know, is big that you sit on. I mean, that's where I sat with Carlos a lot. Most of the people who came over to spend any time with him, that's where they sat was on that log. And it's nighttime. And you look over and that thing is glowing blue. There's like this blue glow mm. around everything. And it's like, me and Jen just look at each other. Yep, that's where it went down. Whatever it was that went down, you know, and, and it put the love in the air. You know, that, you know, people like, love doesn't have anything to do with Nawalism, whatever. I, that's why I don't participate in any of that. Huh? 
you're you're basically little keyboard warriors talking about you know the gates of dreaming and then two seconds later you're off eating a bag of doritos and watching tv i mean come on let's get real to, for, to take this seriously mm-hmm. you know um he was love i mean that's i don't know how else to say it everything about him reeked of love but <laughs> not like disney love not like no. You know, rom-com love, not like brotherly love, not like familial love, like a universal presence of something that encapsulates, holds, and keeps everything in integrity Hmm. is kind of the vibe that would come off of him. It was the most amazing thing. You know, were there issues? Yeah, of (sighs) course there were, lots of them. But he never stopped being that. Hmm. I. I only actually saw him get aggressive towards another person once. Mm-hmm. And it was this asshole of a man in Guffy. It was at a Shakedown Street show. Shakedown Street was a is a still is, I think. It was a cover band. Grateful oh, Dead cover band. Yeah, yeah. I always call, you know <laughs> the crowd just it, it wasn't good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, being a deadhead for so many years and then yeah. going and seeing that is like the clickish kind of shit that goes on with it. So, you know, there's, I'd always sing that verse of the Grateful Dead song. Nothing's shaking on Shake Down Street. You know, because I just kind of had a bad vibe after yeah. that. Well, this guy, we were going to go see him in Guffy. Shake Down Street was playing in uh-huh. Guffy? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Carlos went with, and the guy at the gate had a problem with him. I'm not exactly sure why. And just, Carl, Carlos just laid into him. Hmm. Laid into him pretty good. Yeah, hmm. That's really the only time, other than, you know, me. And then Jen wants. Yeah. But yeah, he was never really, you know, in the times that he would actually get, you know, kind of angry with me, um, it had nothing to do with him being angry at me. It had everything to do with me being lazy in my mind, hmm. me being uh, a coward to not actually face the thing that he is pointing out, trying to, yeah, can we just skip that? No, there's no skipping that. But I want to. And I don't care what you want, you know, that kind of thing. And then if I would demand it, yeah, he'd start hitting that nail pretty hard. Mm-hmm. You know, there were some times where I was like, oh, shit, I really pissed them But it wasn't out of meanness, no, like no, you're saying. No, no, it was, with him, it seemed more out of it was a sense of urgency. Mm. And do I know why? I mean, that was 28 years ago. Do I know why that sense of urgency was there? Um, For myself, yeah, I do. I can see it. It's like, oh, and, you know, that's watching the world gives me a sense of urgency in this. It's like, I'm not exactly sure what, you know, move needs to be made on my part. I, I'm not here to conjure that up. You know, if life says this is the move, that's the move. I mean, I, I try to remain as, you know, as disciplined in that as I can that. Yeah. If even if someone says, Oh, let's do this. It's like, mm, let's, let's wait. Let's see. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's easier to, do something later than to have to undo something <laughs> to do something and then have to undo it. That's twice as long mm-hmm. where you could, you know, just wait, see what's right. Because sometimes your mind's going to fool you. Mm-hmm. You know, some, some little desire is going to come in and start playing with your scenarios. And pretty soon you're doing something that you're like, what the hell is going on? You, know? you got impatient. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. This, a lot of things can do that. Even mm-hmm. still, you know, even after knowing him going through all that, seeing everything 
still to this day that mind and he would talk about it that's a tricky little thing you got there because you know the foreign installation which is interesting because he you know what came out in the books was his last book he was gone by then by the time that book came out he was already gone Mm -hmm. and he writes the chapter about the mud shadows Mm -hmm. well i didn't get to read that chapter first i had to experience that stuff with him i didn't get to read about it you know how to deal with you know the elements that can let's just say the the what'd you call it things that can really take over your mind and how powerful they are. And that, you know, just because you did this work and spent this time with them doesn't mean they're not any less tricky. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you could have found a couple of them lurking inside of you. <gasps> how the hell did you get in? And you look at it, you go, oh, you are tricky. That's a clever move. You try to convince me that you're me, mm-hmm. that I'm you, out you go. But that's not the only trick up their sleeve. No. There's many, 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 you know. So in dealing with like uh, the mind part of things, that foreign installation, you call it the foreign installation. Your mind isn't really yours. It's the interface. Right. It's Don Juan said, you know, the, the flyers, inorganic beings, they gave us their mind. That, that that we have never, at least as far as we can remember, we have never operated with a genuine mind of a living presence within. It's always had an identity attached to it. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's tricky. It's really, really, really tricky. So never say I, that's not you anymore. Yep. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be that. But I remember asking him, you know, so these things you're speaking of, because I could see him. You could feel him. You could feel what they do to you. It's like depression, anxiety, fear. Oh, God, imminent destruction mm-hmm. with nothing around you, but you're just shaken up. But, you know, there's nothing going on that you should be, you know, so that's an indicator of them, you know, and it, but to feel that. So, like, not just, I don't understand why I feel this way. Like, you see it as an actual attack on you. Mm-hmm. You know, from a really dark entity, you know, and I think that going through all that with him, I asked him, I said, so is there a way to outsmart these? He's like, Christ of all, how do you outsmart it? Do he's like these things that you're seeing that I'm you know, revealing to you, their lifespans, 250,000 years. Do you understand that they've been here for the whole development of human history? Do you understand they helped you develop the history that you have? It's like, oh, shit. And I'm like, so how how do you beat them? He's like, well, it will never be with the mind. He's like, you understand that one of them, just one of them, is got the equivalent of the intelligence of every single human being who's lived on this planet combined. There's no way you're ever going to outsmart them. So if you're going to stand up you know, and get macho with your mind, that's them. Mm-hmm. They're going to take you down again and again and again. He's like, the, the true mind actually exists in your heart. 
That's the mind of the human. It has presence about it. It has a richness about it. It has an energetic literacy that the mind does not have. It has, and it's kind of like AI is going to take us over <laughs> only if you're willing to give up the pearl of humanness. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to be a transhuman, yeah, go for it. But that transhumanism is another one of those. You know, yeah, go for it, but that does not set you free. Right. There's just no way that's going to help you. That the true mind is the heart, it's the presence, it's all of it. There's no this and that. Presence is one thing. And and it's full of emotion, it's full of brilliance, it's full of intelligence, it's full of lights, full of darkness, it's full of everything. Right? And that from there it interacts with the world. So there's no need to come up with any knowledge because all of what you need is in the interaction with life itself. So it's a way you're, it's kind of mind, but it's not like the mind we use now. Right. It's you're not, not going to weigh the good and the bad. Yeah. Is what are you going to do? It's not data. It's not evaluation. It's, it's not some... data. It's not evaluation. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You know, but those, those kinds of things, where that was probably the hardest stuff to deal with. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's like you're seeing this thing, and it's not like you're just seeing that thing. You're going through all your shit in your head. It's not like, oh, my God, I see this, and this is, you know, you're. it's not like you're looking at it, and you're just seeing this, and this is your experience. You're looking at it, and what's going on in your head is all the stuff that troubles you. Yeah. All of it, including the... Can I trust this person I'm sitting next to that I'm absolutely know he knows more than I ever will and is loving and supportive. But right now with that thing hanging out there and in my head, I'm very suspicious of what he's actually doing. So there's this kind of uh, like you're like a pinball in the cosmos from good to bad to good to bad to scared to happy to bang, 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 back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I'm going to take a pee break. Because I have to. Go. Oh, you guys keep it, you know, talk. I get to try out uh, Chris G- uh, GPT. <laughs> this, is, this is actually when I just interview a Coney. Yeah, an interview a Coney. Uh, yeah, yeah. You didn't know that's the tactic? I didn't tell you Wait, that part. I, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> right, interview a Coney and go. So what, do you, what, what from this have you, anything new that's from this? Anything new? Or any insights from all that? Uh, I would say insights, um, you know, humanity's got a long way to go. Yeah. Long way to go. Bring it closer home. What about for you? For me? (laughs) I mean, you know, that's, that's the thing. Like when, like when me and Chris talk, Mm -hmm. like off camera, Mm -hmm. so much of our conversations are nonverbal. Hmm. I would say almost 60%, 70% of our conversations are nonverbal, you know? So that's why I kind of just sit here. <laughs> okay. Because a lot, of, a lot of the stuff, it's, you know, um, yeah, I, I, I'd say a lot of it is, is stuff that, like, he, he puts words to things that I feel, hmm. you know? So a lot of the stuff, it's not really that I learn anything, it's more... Like learn anything new, it's more I learn a different way of witnessing it, of seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm 
speaking straight with words. I'm not. Yeah, I, I'd say I'm okay with words. I can I can be good if I give enough attention to it. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh oh, he's back. I'm interviewing him. I just interview. When you leave, I just interview whoever's unlucky enough to sit across from me. Right. Did you ask him real questions? <laughs> no, yeah, I did. I did. He gave me the best he could. Did you make him uncomfortable? I, no. I try. I didn't get. A, I didn't go that far. We only had a few minutes. You should have. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. No, I said Tom, uh, Tom should have. Stay on track, stay on track. I said Tom should have, not, not Chris should have. Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to the bathroom. Just the yeah, yeah, that's an awkward moment. Why don't you just go ahead and go to the bathroom? <laughs> oh, great. Now you're going to interview me? You want me to interview? Uh-uh. Is that what you want? Uh-uh. I got some questions. I know you do. Uh-huh. I have I questions, could ask too. You. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, maybe we should save that for another day. Yeah. Or later, if it's, in, if it's pertinent. <laughs> ah, nothing pertinent. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, talking about Carlos, it's funny because it's, it's hard because, you know, over the years, I mean, it's been 28 years. 20, well, since he's passed away, it's been 26. But I catch so much shit from people. Mm. You didn't know him. That's not him. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I people are like are you sure it was him and it's like well yeah i am i mean do i can i prove that to anybody i have pictures i have writings you know i have those kinds of things yeah. i have the stuff he left behind you know but do i have any like definitive information about who he was mm -hmm. only as much as you want anybody to know it wasn't it's not about how how you can lock this person in a box and have yeah. him fully defined uh, that's not what the path was it was about breaking free from those confines of being defined, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, mm, none of that, you know, it's like Don Juan taught him pretty well that, you know, you have to, what was, how, how did he put it? It's been a while since I've read him. You have to have, um, uh, not stealth, incognitoness about you, like an air of mystery that surrounds you, erase personal history, all these things. And it's like, well, if you erase personal history, you're lying to people. So says the ones that are stuck in their personal history. Mm -hmm. But it's like you're in infinity. How long are you going to hold on to this shit? Oh, you know what I did? Oh, dude, I got to tell you what happened at 30,000 BC. Yeah. I pulled some shit. It's like, really? <laughs> really? I mean, you know, so, and, you know, in personal history is how people can pin you down. Right. So he didn't have any. I mean, he barely, you know, there's very few people that knew him well. I mean, when I spent time with him, I said, you know, he's like, you know, Cristobal? And it was, I think we were like a year and a half into it. He's like, the only other person I spent this much time with was Don Juan in my entire life. Hmm. I was like, wow. Yeah, that made me feel special. Yeah. Not, I mean, by that time, it wasn't special and like a, yay, I'm someone yeah. special. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> it was just like, I feel oh. special. <laughs> yeah. When's this shit going to be over? <laughs> oh, Cristobal never over, only continue. It's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and had me facing the... It's interesting because, you know, I always thought there was something, you know, what, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And when he showed me, you know, back to what we were talking about before the bathroom break, what he, was, what he showed me was where, these, where this is coming from. You know, and that to me is really, the if there's a, a teaching from Carlos that needs to get out in the world, it's where how to smell these things how to see how they're affecting things, how they're getting into your mind and kicking the living shit out of them. I mean, that's one thing that, you know, Dom, I mean, it's kind of like, 
It's interesting how it runs parallel to like the Matrix. Because yeah. Don Juan, you know, when Carl, when Don Juan showed those to Carlos, Carlos, what the hell do you do about this? He's like, you just vibrate and chase them away. We don't. That's the best we can do is keep them at bay. And you know, and Carlos was, you know, as I knew him personally, yeah, that wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. He he had a strong love for the human life. Where did it come from? I don't know. I never asked. I just noticed it, and it blew me away how much he cared about people. He always say, you know, I'm like, Carlos, why don't you, you know, you're famous. Cristo, I'm not famous. My books are famous. <laughs> and I said, oh, he's like, I have no, I have, I have nothing to be famous for. He's like, I'm a common man. I love the common man. I enjoy hanging out with everyday people. Hmm. He's like, you know, if I were to be famous, I have to go hang out with famous people. He's like, and you know what a shit show that is? <laughs> he's like, I've tried it. It's not any fun. Those people are not real. And it's like. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, so Dom Juan was teaching Carlos how to get rid of that kind of Western unrealness about him. This, you know, I have something to say. I have an opinion. You know, just the social media shit. It's like, oh, my God. Just when you want to throw up sometimes. Is this mm-hmm. what's on there? Oh, my God. Yeah, it, was not, it wasn't him. He wasn't looking for glory. He wasn't looking for any of that. You know, but in his love for the common man, it's like the way he lived and the way I watched him live and the influence I received from him was, you know, honestly, uh, oh, you see one of those dark things? You kick its ass. And, well, that, how? With consciousness. With unadulterated presence. Mm-hmm. Not you are present. It's not like I'm present. There is no I there. That's the that's the fucking battle. That's the warrior stance. You must get rid of the person between you and spirit. And that person happens to be you. <laughs> right? And with that gone, it's not that you're I am he man, master, you know, nothing like that. But those things come around, you're the apex predator, not them. Right. So you're like, oh, I see you. And I'm gonna get rid of you. The way that plays out, that's where Carlos was the ultimate expert. He, this is expert level setting up scenarios to trap a fucking nasty demon inside of somebody and actually get it out of them. And he's not getting it out of them. Their will wakes up. They remove it themselves. Right. Right. And the scenario, I mean, I, can I give you an example? Um, I could, but it would sound so cheesy that how in the hell do those two things even come together? All I can say is he could set up situations in your life, daily life, that would put you in a position where you were aware that you were under attack by something. You were aware of how it was coming in. And with a gift from him, really, a boost of presence, it's like you could, with the eyes, just the most potent view stare into those things and annihilate them just with a gaze. Now that, watching him do that shit was insane. Mm. It was like, wow, just going after everything constantly. And, you know, and I, I hope one day to be as graceful in it as he was because I'm still a bear in a china shop. <laughs> I mean, when those things, when we go to the jungle and all of a sudden those things come to play, I am... <sighs> 
to where he's just like, la, 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 watch this. And I'd be like, no. Yeah, and he just, no, no, I mean, you watch the chaos go around and the darkness swirl. He's a calm little center just sitting there, you know, not responsible for any of it. It's not like he did anything to trigger any of this. He was just emanating presence, and this is how people reacted. And what's interesting is when, when he would go to, like, full presence, if there was a demon inside of someone in the room, and I say demon, because I don't know what right, word to use. Right, just that energy, right. Yeah, it would react. And it would react in very interesting ways on several occasions. Well, Mary. My oh, own. my God. that oh, I got to watch that shit for six months. <laughs> I mean, I could tell that story. It's going to take a while. How much time we got left on that thing? We're at 2 11. We got 50 minutes. We have 50 minutes. It's <laughs> a very personal story. Mm-hmm. This very. I mean, this is. This is I'm going to put myself out there because I, I look bad. I look bad in part of the story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so be it. So, this woman shows up, and I'll get to the to why I had to do this in the end, because I'm sure people are going, why did you stay? Why did you stay? Why did you stay? I'll get to it. But, and this is the wild story, um, you would really have to, you know, suspend disbelief in order to really get it, because it's very unbelievable. That's one of those things that, you know. It really happened. I'm going to talk about it, but people aren't going to believe it. I already know that. What has the thing about belief, though? Belief. Yeah. I mean, they're going to go. He's full of shit. I get it. And you know what? If there's comments that say, "Yeah, you're full of shit," yeah. I've I've had them, a lot of them. So I don't care. And I won't even answer it. And if I do, it's just going to be thanks for the publicity. <laughs> so it was about probably six months into it, five or six months into. You know, spending time with Carlos on a daily basis. You know, a whole lot of things going on. This woman shows up. Her name's Mary Pita Zuter, right? So I have this friend that lived up the hill. And his wife, it was a friend of hers coming out to visit. And, you know, we were kind of all friends. And they were aware of Carlos. We didn't spend much time with him. But occasionally we'd go over there and in that neck of the woods and hang out with them. And, you know, it'd just be like a bonfire hanging out kind of thing. Nothing big. Carlos would never really engage them too much other than light talk mm-hmm. but anyway there's this friend of mine's wife was having her friend come up and she was uh worked for the omaha world herald which you know it's it's omaha nebraska but it's pretty prestigious for what it is omaha's got a lot of money in it it's not like it's a poor town right. and uh you know graduated northwestern university at the time i'm 25 going on 26 and uh you know, my wife's pregnant with our firstborn, Maya. And, you know, we had our moments of, you know, not getting along so well. So, you know, and, and, and Carlos being around put a lot of pressure on finances, on time, on that kind of thing. You know, Maya hadn't been born yet, but she was pregnant with her. And, um, you know, so this woman shows up. And she wants to meet Carlos, you know, and it's part of, you know, it's local. So, you know, we go to hang out with her at a bar one night. We're sitting there and, you know, talking and it's very, very energetic. It's like, wow, this is, you know, I'm having so much fun with this. I'm feeling really light hearted and happy and fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is good. This is more excitement than, you know, what I got going on at home because there's some tension there, you know, in the midst of all this and. And uh, so he's talking to her, and, you know, they're hanging out, and then I'm hanging out with him. She's seeing me as, like, oh, you're the one that he 
spends a lot of time with. Who are you? You know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know? So I'm feeling, oh, kind of cool. I mean, you know, she's she's attractive. She's successful. She's all those things, you know. And I'm thinking, I'm over all that. Oh, not so quiet. Not so quick, Christopher. Not so quick to think you're beyond childish behavior. So he makes this, he, he looks at her. He's like, you know, you belong here. You need to be here. You know, and she's all into him because, you know, it's girl's question. You know, she's, so she's like, yes, I'm a yes, 100% a yes, right? So there's now there's talks of all these dynamics at play about how, you know, we need to get her moved out here, got to find her place to live, this kind of thing. And so now there's all this activity about uh, the next chapter, right? And I'm all in because, you know, it's, right. she adores me. So there's a woman in my life that adores me, sure isn't my wife at the time. But you know, and and it's you know, is much my fault as hers. Just, you know, probably more so mine. You know, I'll just take that because why not? Um, but anyway, so she's getting going to come move out, right? Well, she tries to make these romantic passes at Carlos. He's not having any of it, any of it. You know, no, no, I'm just keeps batting her away, and then she starts. Doing that with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Carlos would send me, hey, you you and Mary go take care of this. You and Mary go take care of that. You and Mary, you know. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm kind of putting me in the same location with her without anyone around. Mm-hmm. Right. And she's, so what's it like hanging out with Carlos? You know, and I'm, you know, I'm new into this. It's not like I, you know, learned much by then. You know, right. I was still pretty mesmerized by it all. And so, you know, I... Uh, Spoke of it in a way that kind of made me, uh, made her enamored, if you will. Right. Kind of, you know, manipulated the situation a little bit is probably what you could say, you know. And she's like, wow, wow, wow. That's so amazing. That's so amazing, right? And so, we're, you know, we're hanging out one night. Jen's at work. And there was a couple nights where she was staying at our house before she went back home to pack up her house. because she, she had found a house in Cripple Creek. That she was going to move into until she could, have, you know, find one to buy, mm-hmm. and she was going to go home and pack her house. So she was, you know, we were just talking about that, and she makes an advance that, you know, comes up and hugs me and starts kissing me. I don't stop her. I'm like, ah, oh, wow, yeah, just shaking, you know, like a mm-hmm. stupid boy, just shaking up. Women have that tendency; they can shake you up, mm-hmm. yeah, especially if they've got madness. And we haven't even touched the madness yet. We'll get there. <laughs> oh. oh my god. Oh. I have to sit here and go through it all again. It's just like, oh, anyway. <sighs> I love to keep these experiences fresh because, boy, you can make mistakes. Can make it, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, look at most of the people, like, you know, taking on spiritual leadership roles. They're kind of molesters, most of them. Good mm-hmm. chunk of them. There's not a lot of, you know, genuineness in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a performance piece. Right. Yeah. So, anyway, we're, you know, so she's, you know, she's kissing me. I'm not stopping her. Right. And then Jen pulls up, so it just ends everything. Ends it, yeah. and she just walks in. She's like, well, I got to go. Bye. Now she goes. And I'm just like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. You know? But uh, not not smart enough to, you know, go, okay, dude, you need to calm down. No, I was not smart. So, you know, me and Jen go to bed the whole thing. You know, So two days later, she goes back to Omaha. She's going to give us a call in a few days when she's ready to move. Right? So she calls. And, you know, the whole plan is, here's the plan, that me and Carlos – are going to get on a bus and we're going to draw, take the bus to Omaha and then we're going to pack up her house, me and Carlos. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to drive her back and then she's going to stay with us for, you know, about a month until this house is ready. Okay. With okay. you and Jen. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. And, you know, and, and the baby's, you know, born by now, you know, or in the midst of while she's right, there, right. it's born. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> she's born. Maya was born <laughs> in the midst of Beloved daughter. This. While she, but she was living at the house by then. But let's not jump ahead because this gets real weird. Real weird. So the day comes we're supposed to drive to Omaha. On, we're going to go get on the Greyhound. We're going to go to Omaha. We're going to do this. And we drive up. You know, Jen's driving me and Carlos. And I'm sitting there waiting for Carlos to get out of the car. He's like, Cristobal, you have a bus to catch. I'm like, well, you're coming too, right? He's like, no, no, Cristobal, I'm not coming. This, you do, you're going to go do this. I'm like, but, but he's like, it'll be fine. You go do this, okay? And I'm just like, you, I was pissed. I was like, because... <laughs> If Carlos is there, I'm going to behave. Right. I have to. The man's there. Right. With him not there, oh, my God, I feel so uh, vulnerable to my own <laughs> stupidity at this point. Because, you know, there's one thing going through my mind going, what do you mean you're not going? And another voice in the back of my head going, ooh, ooh he's, he's not, not going. going. And, you know, ooh. You know, not thinking about repercussions in the later months, just, you know, what you can get your hands on right now. So anyway, I get on the bus. We I go out. She picks me up from the bus stop. First place we go is out to dinner. Her daughter, she has a daughter that's being watched by a friend at the house while she came to pick me up. So we go to have dinner, and there's wine at dinner, and it's just a continuation of what had happened before she left. Mm-hmm. She's not trying to kiss me. There's none of that going on. But it's definitely flirtatious, mm-hmm. and it's definitely becoming intimate. Right. So, you know, and I'm just... At this point, I'm just trying to maintain non-stupid behavior. (laughs) (laughs) Trying. And I'm trying to hold it together. Like, I'm not giving into this. I'm not giving into this weird feeling. I'm feeling that really, you know. Mm -hmm. So we get back to her house, and I'm thinking, okay, we had dinner. That's fine. We'll just get back to her house. All the boxes will be packed. All I have to do is put them in the back of the U-Haul in the morning, get out of here, and I'll be safe from my own stupidity. Because <laughs> it really was my stupidity. And I get, we get to the house. There's nothing packed. <laughs> nothing. And this woman is not frugal. I guess it's <laughs> she has some accumulation. Let's put things. it this way. She has stuff. Borderline hoarder. <laughs> and... No, I think not even really borderline, straight up order. I mean, every closet you opened, it wasn't like it was organized. It wasn't like, oh, okay, well, we'll just put this in a box. No, you'd open the door and everything falls out. And it's a tennis racket, a coat, a fire extinguisher, you know, this or that. Just miscellaneous shit. You know, I'm just like, where does any of this go? I mean, it's like, she's like, well, I need to organize. Oh, my God. You know, how long is this going to take? Organized. I mean, you know, I, I'm looking staring at a house that hasn't even been started being packed. And every room was full of stuff, of furniture, books, and you name it. I mean, mm-hmm. the woman, she was successful enough to buy herself some stuff. Mm-hmm. And lots and lots of stuff. So that first night, her daughter's home. And she says to me, she says, well, you can sleep in my in my bedroom and I'll you know, sleep out on the couch. I'm like, no, you sleep in your own bed. I'll sleep on the couch. And this is a little side. I mean, this is not part of the bigger story but it's just interesting and i want to throw it in there that that night i slept on the couch right but the tension was there that mm. sexual tension was there mm. but i successfully did not 
participate in making that go any further than just tension inside of myself. So I went and laid on that couch and I fell asleep after about 20 minutes. But it was interesting. The energy in me, since I didn't use it in that direction, and I didn't really recognize this till later, but the experience I recognized, but I didn't recognize the understanding of it till later. That uh, I'm laying on the couch and suddenly, because, you know, I was reading about Carlos's dreaming sequences mm-hmm. in the books where he's, you know, doing, and, it's, and I'm out of my body and I'm at 45 degree angle. Like I could see everything from like a 45 degree angle and I'm floating. It's like I wouldn't walk, I would just move, right? And I found myself standing in front of her door, just in front of her bedroom door, right? And then I hear this voice, you know, Carlos telling me, this is not where you're supposed to go. Out down the stairs and out the door. And I had this experience of being out of my body, full well knowing it, and moving across this town. It was it was just an incredible side, you know, that, wow, energy that you're wanting to just dump so bad, not dumped, can do some pretty amazing things, mm-hmm. right? So when this strong desire to get what you want, like spill all this energy, if you don't, uh, that energy goes somewhere else. Yeah, it's like the dreamer stalker thing. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like dreamers, it's the sexual energy. You keep that, then you're able to. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, because yeah, is it sexual energy? Is it life force energy? Right. Is there a difference? Is there, Can you separate the two? No. One, uh, it's really how you're using it. Right. One's for mm-hmm. desire, and one, you know, would be for abstain for, for, for adventure kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really, I mean, you know, look at the dating thing. You're more excited getting someone than you are having them. <laughs> the chase more than the experience of together. Well, the chase yeah. is a different energy than the having. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's a different energetic thing, right? The chase is more of a buildup. And, you know, what you, when you get what you're chasing, it's just spilling it on the floor. It's a totally different experience you're going through kind of thing so that's just an interesting aside that little dreaming yeah. scenario which was pretty intense mm-hmm. it was i woke up just elated wow mm-hmm. so the next day comes and you know spend the day packing the house right and i'm trying to be as patient and courteous as i can polite you know i had this charge of energy from that dreaming thing i was just really in that so i wasn't flirting back i wasn't participating in that way Packing boxes, packing boxes. I'm thinking I got this, right? You know, just kind of packing boxes. We got a good chunk of it done that, you know, that day. And then she tells me, she's like, you know, if my daughter wasn't here tonight, I'll have her spend the night at a friend's house. That way we can really get it done. And we could probably be out of here in a day or so. And I'm like, okay. Because her daughter was kind of a distraction. Mommy, I don't want that packed on, you know, the whole thing of a spoiled child. Yeah, so it's just a lot of stopping and waiting for a decision to be made about where a box. And I'm just like, come on, it's gonna take forever. You got a four bedroom house full of shit. You know, washers and dryers and couches and bookshelves and you know all that (laughs) shit. And it's all coming with her. You know, she's not parting with any of this stuff. There's no, there's no runs to the Salvation Army or the Goodwill, (laughs) right? No, I need that. Even the stuff I'd like. She's not looking. I'm like, yeah, fuck, you got too many of those. Go to throw. No, 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 don't throw that away. I need that. All right, you know, so, you know, as I'm doing this thing, so her daughter goes off, right? And we keep packing till probably about like 10 o'clock at night. 
you know. And then she brings out a bottle of wine, pours a couple glasses, and I had one. She had one. We sat and talked a little bit, and you know that thing's back. So, here we go again, you know, another night of sexual tension, right? So she says to me, she's like, you know, you can sleep in my bed tonight because I know that couch is uncomfortable, which she was right. It was very uncomfortable. She's like, you sleep in my bed, I'll sleep in my daughter's. I'm like, okay, that's that's doable. So I go to sleep, and about, I don't know, one thirty in the morning maybe, I wake up, and she's sitting at the kitchen table. Right, I just came out to get a glass of water. So I got a pair of shorts on, I'm not wearing a shirt, come walking out. And I'm like, what are you doing up? She's like, oh, I just can't sleep. And so I sit down. I'm like, yeah, what's the problem? She goes, I'm just feeling a lot of tension. I'm like, yeah? She's like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm trying to do as best as I can. I said, what kind of tension? She's like, you know, sexual tension. Kind of shit, right? Yeah, this is cougar shit. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's just sorry to hear that, right? And I go walking in the bedroom, and I'm just like buzzing, bzzz, like oh boy. So I go back to bed and I lay there. I'm not sleeping. I'm wide awake, but I'm just you know it's safer for me to be in there <laughs> till the door opens uh-huh. and she comes walking in, right? And she takes off her clothes and she climbs in the bed, right? I'm scared to death and as turned on as horny as anyone could be Uh at the same time, Mm -hmm. which is quite a dilemma to mess with, right? So she starts, you know, it never got to intercourse. Right. It it got close. And then when it got to that point, oh, my God, this is so bad because I – I could feel it again. <laughs> Going there to make that final act. And I look over and Carlos is standing next to the bed, looking right at me and going, what are you doing, Cristobal? What are you doing? Don't you do that. You're not supposed to, you're not here to do that. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I'm immediately turned off. Right. Hot. You know, like, oh, shit. <laughs> off. Yeah. Because I was naive. I thought Carlos couldn't. He won't know. <laughs> well, like one time, I, you know, he's like, no, no plants for you, no mushrooms. I don't want you to take any psychoactive anything. You understand? I need you to understand this from a clear state of mind. You don't get to blame this on, on hallucinogenics, mm-hmm. basically. And one day I decided, I'm going to go for a hike, Carlos. You know, you going to go for a hike? Yeah. You going to be back soon? So I'm gonna, I feel like taking a long hike. Oh, yeah? Okay. So off I go. I have a quarter of mushrooms. I eat them. Worst fucking day of my life. It was so bad. My wife. I had to sit there and wait for it to be over. And it was cold because it lasted and went on and on. I can't go home like this. I can't go back like this. So I get to the point where I'm like, okay, I have to go back. You know, there's just, it's time. And I walk into camp. You know, Carlos looks at me. Oh, you're back. Yeah. I'm just trying to play it off. He looks at me like, Cristobal, understand something. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, what? He's like, you look at me. And I looked at him. He's like, you do that again and we're not friends anymore. Mm. It's like, son of a bitch. And he was not pleased at all. Because, yeah. you know, and, and looking back at it, you know, for a couple of years after that, I saw how much energy I depleted eating those mushrooms at that point. Mm. It was not yeah. a good idea. I depleted all of what I had been building up and I was back into fucking weirdo land. You know, so, you know, I I was not the smartest guy. 
So I could figure, oh, I could do this. Carlos won't know. No, there's no, not him not knowing. There was none of that. You know, and he shows up in front of the bed. So that shows you. Mm-hmm. So I jump up. I'm like, I can't do this. That's why I, I can't do this. Right. And I put my clothes back on and I'm like super antsy. <laughs> Shaking up. So it's time to keep packing. It, right. it slept maybe an hour, maybe, you know, before waking up to get a glass of water and her sitting at the table. So, you know, not a whole lot of rest after packing that whole first day and, you know, the night before. And so I'm freaked out and I just want out of there. All I want is to get the hell out of here. I don't want anything else. And I'm, I'm just feeling so, oh, God. Well, problem is she's not going to make this easy for me. Right. She comes walking out of that room, and there was a different person standing there. That wasn't the beautiful woman, graduated Northwestern, you know, executive at a big newspaper, successful woman. There, Yeah, there was this ugly thing standing there with the weirdest glare. And it's like I had no power in me to fight off the energy she was throwing at me. She didn't have to throw a punch. She didn't have to hit me. She didn't have to throw me. Oh, my God. I felt just... uh, <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. It was bad, yeah. and I'm just. She, she comes out. She wouldn't put her clothes back on. Right. Hmm. She comes and sits on the couch, picks up her guitar, staring at me. Yeah, you want it until you get it, and then you don't want it anymore. And this is just darkness. It's like a horror movie was starting to play out in front of me. I'm like, what the fuck is this? I mean, it's like a scene from a horror movie. You know, and she's sitting on her couch with the guitar. She had this, um, I didn't know it before this, but she really loved Yoko Ono. (laughs) How interesting. And I don't know if you've ever heard Yoko Ono songs. They aren't the most pleasant thing to listen to. They got more than a tinge of darkness to them. And she can't sing or hold a note. It's really bad. Uh, this one's even worse at it, but that's what she's singing. These kind of weird. I didn't know that part. <laughs> and I'm sure, and it's just grating on my ears. And I'm just like, oh, right. And I, I feel like I'm in the room with Satan himself. It's like, oh my God, what is happening here? And then I get the surge of energy, right? It's like my fear turned into determination. I didn't even care anymore. What had happened? I didn't shift nothing. It was like, nope. I loaded that truck by myself. We weren't even done packing. So she is following me around naked, playing these songs, giving me this cold, witchy vibe. <laughs> that's just scaring the ever living shit out of me. I mean, you know, you're still young. Your imagination goes wild. Right. She could turn me into a toad. Right. Shit, right. You know, because it feels powerful. And I. When in like one closet, everything fell out of. I just put boxes in front of it and just stuffed it in there. Lid, boom, boom, boom. Onto the truck it goes. I'm carrying bookshelves with books on them. I mean, it's a bookshelf. The books aren't packed. Uh, by this time, because these are the last things I'm putting on. There's no boxes. I picked up bookshelves with books on them and put them on the trailer. The sofa with a sleeper in it. It's pretty heavy. Yeah, that's real heavy. And I look over, I'm like, you going to help me put that on there? <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> so 
she surely is not going to help me put that on there. So I lifted that thing up over my head and carried it and threw it on the truck, right? Washers, dryers, refrigerators, boxes and boxes and boxes. I mean, we're, I think it's like a 30 some foot truck. It's huge, filled to the brim. I get it done by, I don't know, seven, eight o'clock in the morning. She's still sitting there, right? Guitar in hand, just. I, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm, I mean, I. It's not good. <laughs> I, it's just, I can't even really come up with the right adjectives because I'm kind of feeling it right now. <laughs> so give me a second because, oh my God. Oh. So those things always stick around. <laughs> so she's sitting there and I look over at her. I'm adamant and I'm done. You know, that truck and your stuff is going to Colorado. Because she kept saying, I'm not going. I'm not going. Right? And I was told her stuff and her show up here. That was what I was. I'm still on that. Mm-hmm. The demand Carlos gave me, the command, I'm still on that. So I looked at her and said, your stuff and that truck is on its way to Colorado now. Now, whether you come or not, I don't care. I was told to take your stuff to that to my house. That's where it's going. Where's gas money? She's like, I'm not giving you anything. So I walked over to her purse, opened it up. She had an envelope with cash, and I pulled out enough for gas. This is for gas. I'm leaving. Goodbye. And I grabbed the key, and off I go, right? And I'm just ready to just drive straight home and just do whatever's necessary. I got to get out of this vibe. I got to get away from this person. All the while knowing that if, because, you know, I was kind of hoping that what she was telling me was true, that I'm not coming. Right, right. And that's like, fine, come get your shit out of the storage in Colorado. I don't give a fuck. I don't have to have deal with you then. Right. But then there's that thing in the back of my head saying, oh, she's probably still going to show up. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to deal with that. But at the, this point in time, I don't have time for that. I just got to get home. So I get on the road, and I'm in Omaha, Nebraska. I go to Hayes, Kansas, which is just across the border down south a little bit. And I'm going to go across the 70 back to Colorado. And... So I call home. I'm like, hey, I got the truck packed. I'm on my way back. Good job. Good job. And I didn't, I just, that's what I thought I was going to do. And then like two hours into the drive, I can't drive. I am so depleted. I'm almost paralyzed depleted. All my energy has gone. I'm feeling dead. So I'm just going to pull over at this little dinsy hotel, and I'm going to sleep for a few hours and get back on the road. I'll be a couple hours delayed, but, you know, I didn't tell them what time I'd be home. Yeah, I passed out, and then I get it. There's a knock at the door about a day and a half later. You'd passed out for a day and a half? Manager. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you're going to stay in this room, you got to pay for it. I'm like, I already paid you. You paid me for yesterday. I'm like, uh, what? He's like, yeah, you've been you've been passed out. Oh, you know, you've been... He, you didn't pay for your second night. I'm like, I fucking didn't sleep that long. <laughs> right? And I'm like, oh, shit. Right? There's no cell phones. Right. Right? And, you know, and I don't even know what I'm going to say if I call. So I just give him the money for that night, and I just it drive just, straight yeah. home. I come home to Jennifer flipping out. Right? Oh, my God. You're safe. Thank God. Thank God. I'm like, oh. Right? And he's like, yeah, car me and car. car. She's, that's the day she bonded with Carlos because she didn't really care for him. She's like, what are you doing with this guy? I mean, there was a lot of that. She was really resistant to him in the beginning until I was missing. And Carlos said, Jenny, we can go find him. Me and you get in the car. I will go with you. We will travel the ends of the earth looking for him. And that's when she really, you know, 
Got really him. bonded with yeah. him. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, like a dad figure in a way. And, you know, so I end up showing, I come back, totally exhausted. And I told him, you know, that, yeah, I, just, I don't know. I stopped and I just, I didn't say anything that happened at the house. Right, right, right. <laughs> I just talked about being that tired. I didn't really realize, I didn't realize I was sleeping that long. And so it all blows over. And then the phone rings about an hour later. And it's Mary. She's on her way. Of course. And I look over at Carlos. She's like, so do you have a room made up? I'm like, oh, yeah, she's staying. He's like, yeah, you know, we agree. She's going to stay here until she, her house is ready in a month. <laughs> Excitement builds. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, shit, I forgot about that part. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here now, and it's not, you know, it's not part of my reality. I mean, well, it's part of my history, but it's not part of my reality. So I can look at it a little differently now. But back then when he said that and. All the scene played out back in my head. Fucking terrified of one being found out. That mm. scared me to death. It's like God, I may have ruined my marriage here, right? I fucked up in a big way. I didn't ask Carlos, was that you standing in the room? Because I did not want to broach the subject. But anyway, I'm like, this is oh yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's put her stuff in. Go ahead and put it. We had a garage outside. Just put her stuff in there. She'll deal with it. And she gets her. She pulls up. No, that look is still there. But it was so sinister because she didn't say this. But when she looked at me, this is what she said energetically. Uh, I know you haven't told your wife. Mm-hmm. And I got you. Got you right here by the ball. I am going to milk this for all it's worth. Yep. And did. Like, she do shit that, you know, I would not be cool with. Right? And I wouldn't say anything. Jen goes, that's weird. Well, if anybody else did that, you'd be freaking out. So now Jen's catching on. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't like her much at all. She didn't spend much time up there. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just going to tell this one story. It goes on from here, but this is just the one. We'll pick that up next week because we're kind of running. So I guess we're, we're getting into the Carlos Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so... I show back, I mean, and we're with the house. It's been a couple days in. It's horrible. I mean, I'm trying to not get caught, not have to come clean. Hope this all just washes out, which it's not going to. She's making more and more problems, more and more problems, poking around. And every time I go into her room and go, what the fuck? She's like, you'd say anything. I'm going to tell your wife. I'm just like, and at a certain point. You know, Carlos is watching all this go down. Mm-hmm. He's not saying a word about it. We're not talking about it. He's just watching, right? And uh, there was just one day. It's like, I can't do this. And I looked over at Carlos. He's like, you ready, huh? You ready to finally face the music? <sighs> and that's when it's like, yeah, I was him standing there. He's like, you you know, huh? He's like, of course, Christopher. You know, I'm a man. Of course I know. <laughs> like, you're not smart. <laughs> you're not smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You might be intelligent, but you're not smart. And I'm like, I can't have her in my house another day. He's like, well, I guess you're going to have to do something about that, aren't you? And I walked into her room. I said, you know what, Mary? I don't give a shit when your house is ready. I mean, it was in a couple days. Mm. You ain't staying here another fucking day. I am not having you in my house because she was just running it, and I'm just making my life miserable. She's like, uh, if you do you do that, you know, I'm going to tell your wife. I said, you know what? I'm going to beat you to it. And I walked downstairs. <laughs> I told Jen, I'm like, this is why it's been so weird. This is what happened. She's like, that's what that's that's what's going on? 
I, I said, yeah. She's like, well, thank you for telling me. Goes upstairs, Mary, get the hell out of my house. <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking, yay, it's over. Lesson learned. Freedom <laughs> from all that darkness. <laughs> she goes away. She spends a couple days at a local friend's house, mm -hmm. you know, the lady she knew, and then was moving into her house. Comes time to, then I'm thinking, you know, she's going to have some people come over and move her shit. Right, from your garage. No. no. Carlos is like, okay, Cristobal, you ready? Well, we're going to take Mary's stuff to her house. And then I had to go there every day for six months to her house and be in the most disgusting vibe, dark, dreary, weird, followed by pleasantries for an hour or two, maybe a day or two, and dark. I mean, wow, the chaos. Hold on, but Holy why six shit. months, though? <laughs> that, that, that's how we're going we're gonna... to... Is that the, that's, is that the that's, cliffhanger? That's, that's the cliffhanger. Yeah, that's the cliffhanger? It's a, it's a to right. be continued. Because like I said, there is a point to this story. There is a a lesson in it beyond what I've said. Which obviously it's like, oh, you learned your lesson. Don't be a horny little boy. You know? Well, yeah. yeah, but, uh, yeah. but there's others. So, I'm, you know, when I thought that's the end, was I don't have to see this woman ever again. We're done. and continue. This is like a little snafu. Nope. The next six months, every single day. And I don't mean for a couple hours. I mean, we get up in the morning. What are we doing today, Carlos? Well, let's just get in the car and we'll start heading. Turn here, turn here. I'm like, are we going to Cripple Creek? Yeah. Where are we going? Well, we're going to go to Mary's house. Yeah. From like 9 a.m. to almost 8 p.m. Pretty much every day. We made you sit in that. Yeah, he did do me one favor, though, that whatever kind of sexual attraction she had to me, she didn't mm. anymore. <laughs> now that was on Carlos again, right. in a big way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and he, <laughs> I'm watching him, like, thinking, what are you doing with this woman? He just looks over at me. You're welcome. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> he was taking all of it. Yeah, taking all yeah. her attention. Uh -huh. Right. And that got sideways, too. Right. Very Well, you know, there was... Her driving up the deck of my house and almost through my front door in her car. Yeah, one night. It gets a weird story. Don't don't give this. Yeah, we're not gonna. Yeah, that's. <laughs> there's a little taste. There's dishes flying. There's blood involved. There's all kinds of hairy situations involved in that six months, and we'll get into that next week. No Italian, all right. But yeah. I, I felt a lot of just that part of the story. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> That's the boy, most in depth I've ever heard that story. Well, so. I, you know, I, yeah. if I'm going to do this, I know I'm going to do this podcast and I'm going to talk about this. I, I got to pretty much say what happened and how it made me feel. Cause what's the point in saying it? If yeah. There's not some follow up with, yeah. well, then what, you know? No, thanks for sharing that. That's really brave and vulnerable. So man, it was tough. Yeah. I, know. I feel like such a <laughs> stupid dude, stupid. And I ain't the only stupid move I ever made. Yeah, I'm, shit. I've been looking at my you know twenty eight years since he's passed away. Oh yeah, there's still an infinite number of mistakes in there, and I'm sure there's still an infinite number more to be made. Right? Because I don't. It's not like I feel like I've got the truth and the answer, and this is the way. Um, I've just been doing this a long time, really trying to trim down that manufactured identity. That whole, like, false presence, all of that. Just get this shit the fuck out of here so I can live a real life. The one that Carlos 
showed me. The one that the spirits over the years have shown me. The one that, you know, sitting in the jungle with ayahuasca has shown me. Right? The one that, you know, when I go down to see Enrique, it's like, I can see you. It's like, I can see you too. That recognition and camaraderie is there. And, you know, like all the things that I've gone through, I have Carlos to thank for that. And I say it a lot, oh, God, I'm so glad that I had him because this would mess. Every situation I see now that could go sideways, I'm always so glad I had Carlos because I can see where this can go sideways, and I'm not about to let it. Mm -hmm. And if this person wants to make it go sideways, you're going to do that on your own. Off you go. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so mm -hmm. it's really helped me to not have my whole life blow up over and over and over again yeah you know which has made me better at relationships better at standing up to assholes right and better at like when i'm trying to help somebody and they get mad at me because you know i'm going to say some things they don't like because that's part of helping somebody um i'll withstand all their the hatred they can throw at me all the yeah. anger all the pissed offness and i can be patient with it I'll just fly off the handle. It's just like, yeah, you know, sorry, you can hate me for a while. I get it, and that's because I get it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I there's, I there was times where Carl, I did not want to see his fucking face. Get the fuck away from me, many times, because it's just so stressful. Mm -hmm. It's so tense that the the vulnerability in me is so shaky. You're the fucking devil, man. You are bringing me to a place I don't want to be. Who are you? That kind of thing, you know. Mm -hmm. That's tough. You know, and then to pick up that, what would you call it, that task, if you will, <laughs> mm -hmm. and carry it further in this culture, I haven't had an easy time of that. I haven't. You know, trying to do what was instilled in me from that path, you know, that path is still very much in me. It's still very much a part of me. Right. It's still very much what I'm doing here. It's a hard fucking thing to navigate. And I'm looking, oh, this is why Carlos didn't bother becoming a anybody. Because the God. It's a nightmare. The flies, <laughs> man. Mm -hmm. yeah. The flies that swarm. It's like, ugh. And the haters that swarm and the trollers and mm -hmm. the whole thing. I mean, I, I, was, I did some speaking engagements, I don't know, like 10, 11 years ago. They're on YouTube. You know, find them if you can. But there's all, they're like, I don't know. There's a hundred hours of shit yeah. in there from 10, 11, 12 years ago. And uh, I did one, you know, interview type style thing. We're talking about Carlos. And there's this website called sustainedaction.org. Mm -hmm. And it's all these people who are authorities in Carlos's life because they know mm -hmm. shit, whatever. And they're like that. He, he's, you know, what do they, well, one of their comments was Toltecs. Look at him. He looks more like a linebacker. And then, you know, um, all this shit, like, mm. uh, you know, ah, just, just dogging me. Left shit talking. Right. I mean, I've done an NPR interview uh, back in 90, I want to say 98. And it was for KPF, K, KVNF, KVNF mm. out of like, it, it's out of, um, what is Payonia. Oh, yeah? It's like Aspen and all mm -hmm, those places. Mm -hmm. And I was doing this thing for the whole life network, you know, 98, long time ago. And uh, it was this big new agey movement thing, and they wanted me to do a speaking engagement at this place they were doing that. It was cool. And I uh, did a radio show afterwards on KVNF, and um, Clear Green had their monsters out. Boy, there were people calling me, calling in. You didn't know him. You didn't know him. You didn't know him. And there was one, and it was funny because it's, I like what you say, and I like the way you're saying it, but you didn't know him. I'm just like, 
There's a couple of those and a couple just straight up. You're, mm. you're, this is, you're, you didn't know him. He was doing 10 segregity workshops. He had the chop rules. He right. said, he, he said it was apprentice's words. Like he never used that word. Right. You know, it's like you had an apprenticeship with Carlos Castaneda. I had a friendship. Right. With a person who cared enough to show me life as it is instead of how I'm dreaming it up. Right. You know, that's what I had. It, it wasn't like Mickey Mouse and the Sorcerer's Stone. You know, this isn't a Hollywood movie. Mm-mm. I mean, this is real feelings. This is real emotions. This is real stuff. This is real fear of the world you're in. This is real fear of, fuck, I don't know who I am. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, to the core, not knowing who you are. What your what anything is, he's blown that away. All your definitions to keep you safe. This is this and that is that. This is this. Yeah, you can say that. This is a cup. This is a water bottle. When Carlos is influencing your perception, there those aren't there. Right. You don't know what you're looking at. And then you come back, you see the cup. It's like fuck. That's not a cup, and I know it, but I don't know how I know it, and I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like yeah. you, there's no way forward. Because your way forward is based on your history, which just got fucking yanked out from underneath you. Right. Way forward based on what? You could turn around and look where you're coming from. That's gone. Right. Now what? And so that's some scary. spooky ass right. shit. Because I don't think people realize your worldview is what keeps you from freaking the fuck out. And if that gets taken from you, which... It probably will in the next few years from everybody. It's going to freak you the fuck out when you're like, oh, my God, who am I really? All the world, you know, all that stuff is gone. Who are you? Mm -hmm. When your career is gone, when you're not your titles, when you're not your money, when you're not your car, when you're not these things. You ever really explored who you are without this life you've made? Right. Probably not. So you don't really know what that's about. But as long as you make it about your things that interest you. Yeah, that's a nice blinder for what is really going on underneath all that. Mm-hmm. And that gets yanked off you. That gets terrifying. But the Mary, I'll, I'll get to the end of that story. It, it gets weirder than that. It gets rougher than that with the Mary thing. Yes, it, it does. Yeah, mm-hmm. the crescendo is intense. But there is a point to it. and I'm going to spend the next week. Because, I, I mean, I've told you. Because you've asked me, like, well. What was the point of all that? Yeah. And then I told you. And it's like when I tell people, it's like I don't know if they're connecting the dots into what I'm referring mm. to, what went down by going to the process of going I'm to the I'm definitely getting it more. And definitely with this telling, I have more insight than I've ever had before. Yeah, so. yeah. Good, good, good. So we're going to pick up. We're going to stop there, pick up where we left off. Cool. Anybody ask any questions? I mean, I you were supposed to – I was supposed to do that. Oh, really? <laughs> At the beginning, I was now. supposed to say, hey, if you have any questions, <laughs> Joe's, get on the we'll mic, answer Joe. them at the end. Well, but, you know, we're we'll answer them next the time. Ask yeah. them now and answer them next time. We have Maybe. horizontal organization, right? <laughs> Determined many years ago <laughs> in a spectacular See, so way. So for everybody out there, you know, what's, what's, what's this relationship that Tom and Chris have? <laughs> we keep each other from starting a cult. <laughs> very, yeah, we're that, both very that, intent upon that. Yeah, yeah, actually. I remember that when, you know, after you showed up on the scene, it was very shortly thereafter that it was obvious that, yeah, we're going to be plugging along at this together. And we made a pact that you wouldn't let me take this to a culty place. 
Uh-huh. And in return, I wouldn't let you do it either. <laughs> yeah. And that we and drilled, We spent struggle. 16 hours driving home that night, drilling each other about, where's your desire for a cult? And we looked into it pretty deeply. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. honestly, I don't care what anybody else thinks because it's not really real for me. Mm-hmm. What's real is how I feel inside. Uh, I think we've done a pretty good job of that. And I think that we have over the years deflected those that wanted to make it a cult oh that they gosh. were going to be the leader of. Oh, my gosh. So many. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious, actually. <laughs> well, one day we'll get into the story of what happened in Austin. We can. And then I'll, yeah, I'll come clean. <laughs> <laughs> then I get to come clean. <laughs> you get to come clean you losing your shit on somebody. Because that sure was fun. It sure was. Yeah, yeah. That was an interesting, interesting day. I can get energetic when I feel... Uh, when I feel injustice at hand. <laughs> yeah. Fire Marshall. Fire Marshall. Yeah, I kind of remember one time down in the jungle where I'm in the process of dying, and I had to stop the process of actually physically dying to tell you, Tom, calm down. Calm down. Don't kill this guy. I still don't regret it. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> to this day, I don't fucking regret Stories it one bit. You've been very mad at me about it, but I don't fucking regret it one bit. I, you know, and I get why you don't. <laughs> Talk about an irresponsible person. Yes. That dude was... Yes. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Isn't it a while that the media picks the most irresponsible person to be a spokesman for? I know. Well, you know. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess I can Let's, really dump on it, can't it? We'll, just, I mean, we'll let you, that vague conversation just sit. Y- y- for now. Yeah, for now. But we are going to get into it because okay. that story has to be told. Okay. I'm that happy to. Wild. Hmm. Yeah. Should we? No, no, God, no! It's been enough time. There's more podcasts ahead. Desire to watch the next. See, this is our. We're tricking you. This is the Ah. Hollywood. We're putting that Hollywood glean on this whole thing. Morsels lead you in, lead you in. The end of every Breaking Bad episode. (laughs) (laughs) Sucks you into the next one. (laughs) So I'm sorry I have to leave you hanging with that story, but I don't have the energy to tell the rest of it no, no, another day. That, let that sit. <laughs> let that marinate. We'll see. Uh, we'll see you next weekend. Yeah. Some. Oh, I may be gone. Oh yeah. I am gonna be gone over in the East Coast. What? So. I know. I got things to do. Oh, Tom's got a life, man. <laughs> I mean, he's alive. He has a life. And I have a life. He it's a life. pretty. Yes, it's pretty interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. You have to. Maybe I should be interviewing you. Uh, I got. We'll get there. I'll say I'm going to be at the Beef Initiative on the East Coast. Beef, yeah. The Beef Initiative. Bitcoin and Beef. Yeah. <laughs> I'm throwing it out there. Uh-oh. So that means it's just going to be me and you? Oh, uh, you know. No, um, actually, I don't know if I'm going to have to coax him. I haven't asked him yet. Who? Who? Amor. Oh, that, no. We'll make him come for sure. We'll, Amor, he has, Amor posted that he'll he be wanted here. me to do. He's like, I'd like to hear your take on guilt. Oh, good. He'll be here for it. Oh, that would be a fun one. <laughs> so I think I'm going to make him sit here. And well, what, do you, what is it you want to know about guilt? And why do you feel so guilty? Because uh, <laughs> I can talk. To hey, more. Just you know, just buddy. But if you want to be on this, yeah, I so, oh, and we'll talk about the topic you wanted to talk about. Because guilt. Ever since you put that, I'm, I've thought about it, and I have some interesting things to say about it. So it may actually post. I think it's useful. We'll see what happens. We may the postpone the rest of the story for two weeks. We'll see. So, so who's the more? You'll, you'll see. You haven't met him yet. No. Yeah. Okay. Well, you'll meet he's him. Coming. He's going to show up tomorrow. He'll be oh. here for, what, a couple of weeks? Yeah, like two or three, two and a half weeks, something yeah. like that. He's going to be part of the, uh, what would you call it? What did he call it? The 
part of the ecosystem for a couple of weeks. Okay, he's yeah. really interested in what the ecosystem up here is. And we don't hide and we don't put on faces, as you all know. <laughs> he wanted he wanted to know about our rules. And so we sat and talked. We sat and talked for about two hours. But why don't you have a rule so against that? And I was like, "What would a rule do? It's not going to change anybody's behavior anyway. It's just, it's just, it's just. You just try to figure out a clever way around the rules, so rules are useless." And he's like, "What? What? No, you have to have rules. Like, no, no rules." Well, so he's, he's going to stay here for two and a half no. weeks. Uh, we have to get rid of the people who want to make rules. <laughs> right. Right. So he, every human to his own. It's like there's, you know. <laughs> There's no alpha shit going on here. Right. So you do you. Yeah. And then yeah, see how it... I can't believe you let people do that. What? Be themselves? <laughs> well, you're letting them do that thing. It's like am I their mommy and daddy? I'd say right. I don't they do what they want. They're adults. They do what they do. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to tell them what they can and cannot do. That's not my business. They want to do that, they do that. Yeah. They if they don't know their limits, they'll find them out real quick. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's yeah. that. But yeah, he, he wants to come up here and, and he's stay up to. here for he, two and a half weeks. Or? Yeah, he's, he's, he's coming tomorrow. He's coming oh, tomorrow. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you'll be I'll around. Stick you'll around see him. See anyway. Yeah. anyway. Good night. Have a great rest of your Sunday. <laughs> Have a great week. And we'll be back next weekend. Yeah. Saturday or Sunday. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And right. maybe midweek. We'll see. Oh, okay. You know, I don't know how long that Carl's story can sit there. Like okay. That. All right. We can do that. Tell me more. What happened? Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and now that we're into the Carlos Chronicles, I mean, I'm probably not going to do it every week. No, just we'll it throw it in there every once in a while. But I definitely want to get into the, the 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 big meat of why Carlos remained incognito that I know of. Oh yeah, because that's important to say, and that'll probably get us, you know, yeah. <laughs> every week's another dance with cancellation. Yeah. Well, this <laughs> one might be a dance with an alphabet organization. I, know. I, I don't know, know if I, but it has to be said. So. Hey, you know, that's what sucks is when there's really nothing to lose. That makes a man dangerous. Yeah. When there's nothing, when he doesn't have any, there's, he doesn't have anything to lose. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> let the danger be beautiful. Yes. yes. Good night. Have a good night. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for paying attention. Thanks for liking it. Thanks for uh, yeah your attention. And we're on Spotify. We have shorts on YouTube. If, if you like this, can you just do me a favor and just subscribe to it, even if you never watch it? Just, you know, yeah. maybe this could become something. Yeah. And the only way it becomes something is, you know, and I don't want to f- please like- an algorithm because no. mm-hmm. I'm not into that. You know, I, don't, I don't please, I don't, I don't please brujaria anymore. That's an algorithm. <laughs> It's like a white man's brujaria. <laughs> the algorithm. The algorithm. But, you know, I don't want to play to that. So, I, you know, no. I want this to build organically. And the only way that does that is word of mouth. And you going there and saying, yeah, this is this is content I like. So yeah. if you feel like doing that, do. If you don't, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, good night. We'll see you guys next time.